Right. Hey guys, I'm here with Anthony Kerrigan, you know from the hit show Barry. How you doing, Anthony? I'm doing great. Yeah, doing fantastic. Thank you. What can we expect of the season from oh. Barry? <laughs> like absolutely. Give us all kind of spoil spoilers. <laughs> no, it's 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 really wonderful. We're all really proud of it. Uh, we we worked really hard. Once we were able to get back into it, we didn't take a minute for granted. Okay. The below the belt show is closed. Caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> <laughs> Right, guys, it's time for another episode of BTB Below the Belt in the Mother Effin House. I'm your host, Al Soto, aka Celebrity Soto, your host with the most here for your weekly pleasure, as we always do here on BTB. Um, we have a small but very powerful panel tonight, uh, starting with, well, you know who I am, uh, the one and only. <laughs> Celebrity Soto, but joining us, that's right, she's affectionately known as Your Grace, and all of Daenerys Targaryen's monikers, but also she's channeling her inner Ariel from The Little Mermaid. She's also known as Miss LST. She is dancer extraordinaire, entertainer extraordinaire, the one, the only Morgan Fabulous. Always good to be here. You know, yeah. Dressing up for for yeah, all the things. I love it. Morgan, this might be the first show we've hosted um just yeah. us, right? Is it? Yes. Okay, cool. I thought Chachi was coming. I know? well, you know, uh I, I uh I always I throw it out, but you know, he's uh still recovering from Ocean City. He's uh Oh, okay. <laughs> Memorial Day weekend. Did you have a good Memorial Day weekend, your grace? Um, yeah, Friday. I had a friend's birthday up here in Arlington. Okay. And then Saturday we had a wedding. Um, actually, my mm. friend Maddie, I don't know if you, he went to Towson. Okay. You, you, I feel like you've had to have met him. Like he's been at a couple of my birthdays. Um, he and his partner got married. They had a big, fabulous gay wedding. So Very that was nice. Saturday in DC. A big, fat gay wedding. Nice. Yeah, I know. I think this was my first one. Oh, wow. You know, um, you know what? I haven't and, been to one yet, and I, I really would like to experience one. I mean, I was like, is this my first gay wedding? And then I was like, oh, yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Sunday, I actually was doing a photo shoot for a friend's promo for his music. And then ended up going out in Arlington because everybody was off on Monday. Okay, so. so no beach life for you this weekend. We went to the beach like the week uh like the week before Memorial Day. Um sure. 
for a friend's 40th birthday and it was cold and like hardly anything was open. And I was like, guys, who, who chose this? Like, <laughs> That's the thing. Sometimes it's rainy. Sometimes it's cold on Memorial Day weekend. Um, for the guys trip, uh, which only ended up being Saturday and Sunday, we opted for something different. Philadelphia, PA. Uh, for Your trip looked great. It was fun, you know. They have a lot of really cool rooftop bars, you know, really uh, lounges, which is really yeah. cool. Remember when uh, I dated that weirdo from there? I, mean, <laughs> I, used to, I used to, like, I was like, wow, Philly's really cool. Like, they have a lot of great, like, the food scene, the, the food rooftop scene. bars. The and, rooftop like, bars, I think it's yeah. only, it's, like, only getting better. Did you go to the, what's that one market there? Um, Reading Terminal Market. Actually, yeah. You, it's so interesting you mentioned that. Um, an interesting segue. BTB will be representing this weekend again in Philly. For oh. the Fan Expo, formerly known as Wizard World, now known as the Fan Expo, um, Philadelphia's premier Comic-Con. And, oh. uh, yes, myself and Chach McFly will be in attendance. Uh, and uh, we look so, forward to hopefully getting some great interviews during the Fan Expo. Um, so we've that's, that's just um, a Philly con? That's con right. Right, right at the oh. convention center, right next to Reading Terminal Market. Which oh, is I didn't like even know the that best was place, the best place to get food if you're <laughs> if you're going to the uh, convention center in uh, Philadelphia. So it's funny that you mentioned the the uh, the Reading Terminal Market, but yeah, fanexpohq.com/slash uh, Philadelphia or oh, fanexpohq.com. Yeah, and um, some of the celebrities in attendance are Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah, we have Joseph Quinn um, and um, Grace Van Dien from Stranger Things. Um, as you know, Joseph Quinn is the Eddie Munson character, and Grace Van Dien plays Chrissy the cheerleader. We have oh, uh, yeah. yeah, right, Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker himself from um, the Star Wars uh, prequels. Um, Sean Astin, The Lord of the Rings. We have uh, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio from Daredevil. Legendary oh. director Sam Raimi. Giancarlo Esposito and Katie Sacco from The Mandalorian. Wow. That's a lot of famous people. Yes. A lot of really good names. Bonnie Wright from Harry Potter. Kristen Krueger, Tom Welling, and Michael Rosenbaum from Smallville. Wow. Legendary actors Henry Winkler and Chaz Palminteri from A Bronx Tale. We have yeah. Rose McGyver from Ghosts. Stephen Amell and Emily Beth Ricards from Arrow. Um, Randy Quain, Quaid. Peter Weller from Robocop. My God. Uh, Daniel wow. Panabaker from The Flash. David Ramsey from Arrow. And Dante Basco from Hook. Those are just. Some of them, a love. lot of great, yeah, a lot of great names, right? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, um, B2B will be in, a, in attendance. I'll be there on Sunday. I do have a wedding on Saturday. Um, some of that that's actually, this week. that yeah, this week, this weekend, this weekend. I have, this, a, I have a wedding Saturday too. <laughs> so, I'm going to go to the convention on Sunday. Chachi will be representing on Saturday, but um, I got to give a shout out to who's getting married because he's been on this program before. The one and only Fat Blues man himself, Kelly Bell of the Kelly Bell Band. 
Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, okay. Congratulations to him and Adrian. Congrats to him. Yeah, who are getting married um, this Saturday in a very unconventional style wedding, Your Grace. It's um, backyard barbecue theme. Casual. A casual wedding. I mean. At a mansion. Some kind of, you know, setting up a backstage. There's going to be performers and. You know, it's a different type that of wedding. That cool, yeah. You're encouraging people to dress comfortably. Yeah, that way you don't have to go out and buy something or like. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot. <laughs> it can be a lot. I mean. So that I, sounds fun. And yeah, like, so something a little different, chill. right? So. That's but yeah, Fan Expo uh, is cool. But um, yeah, Philly was cool. I want to throw out um, a plug for the Franklin Institute. Um. um it was a really, really cool, cool science museum, and um, it's a premier science museum. They actually had the Harry Potter exhibit there yeah, for quite a while. Yeah, sadly, it's been gone. I think it's over in New York now, but now they have yeah. the Disney 100 exhibit. And I know, your Grace, you're doing your inner Ariel from Little Mermaid, and yeah. they had a Little Mermaid costume. They had uh, stuff from Marvel, like Black This Pants. is at the Franklin Institute? This is the Franklin Institute in How Philly. How is that going to be there? Um, I think it's going to have quite a run. Yeah, it's, I'm not sure when it ends, but I knew that Harry Potter was there for a minute. A uh, minute being a I long know. time. <laughs> I know. I should have. I, I kept meaning to go, and then we never. I know, did. but you know what? The Harry Potter exhibit is now in New York City. So I think it's the, uh, the yeah, similar... Gotta, Got to get back to both of those places. Got to get back. Got to get back. Your grace. So, I um, know. So we got plenty to talk about here in the world of entertainment. Um, our guests tonight are our, our guests tonight are um, pre-recorded interviews. Um, our final interview from the Creative Coalition in Washington D.C. Can you believe we're still be we're still playing amazing interviews from that event? Um, saving one of the best for last, and uh, she is the beautiful and talented Grace Caroline Curry. Who played Mary from Shazam, one of the the siblings, and awesome. um, yes, we did, we get to talk to her on the red carpet of the Creative Coalition event. Awesome. And um, closing out tonight's program is another pre-recorded interview of a Tribeca documentary director named Sav Rogers. Sav is an a, incredible filmmaker who did. I just watched the documentary, and due to the embargo. Actually, no, I'll be posting this afterwards, so never mind. Um, it was an incredible, incredible documentary. And um, if you're a fan of Kevin Smith, if you support the LGBT community, um, it kind of combines both in one because Sav talked about how the Clerks movie – sorry, how the Chasing Amy movie – sorry, mm-hmm. not Clerks. Clerk is an awesome movie. But Chasing Amy was so influential and also credits that movie for saving his life. As a youth that was queer and was constantly bullied, um, Sav got um, some comfortability, um, some some comfort rather in um, watching the film and and showing strong characters uh, that were LGBTQ. Um, and at the time, in the late '90s, um, that was kind of a big deal, you know. Um, to have um, that type of film that that focus on those type of characters because they're, they're a little more common today, but back then, maybe not so much. So um, that Tribeca um, documentary film will be a part of their slate, the upcoming Tribeca Film Festival, which again, BTB uh, will be back for that as well. So we, BTB is busy. 
Yeah, you guys are at like all the things. Yes, yes. Which is uh, good. Yes, your grace, you're gonna have to uh, join us at one of these events for sure. I would love to. Yes, we need you. We need I you. I would love to go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do what we do here on BTV. Let's let's drop a few things uh, in the world of entertainment. So here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. Yeah, that's right, guys. Benji and Joel, Hollywood News. All right, let's talk about it. The number one movie, no surprise, Disney's The Little Mermaid, the top of the box office over the Memorial Day weekend. This is a live-action remake of the 1988 animated favorite. Um, and earned uh, $117.5 million over the four-day holiday and ranks as the fifth largest Memorial Day debut. Um, of course, Top Gun Maverick set the, the record um, last year. But um, you know what? We have someone on the panel, and we don't have a big panel, so it's either me or this, or Your Grace. Uh, but yes, it is Your Grace who actually saw the Little Mermaid, and yes. he's going to give us an exclusive, exclusive review of the film. So, okay, so I saw it yesterday, and I went with two, uh, well, it was I went with two of my friends, but they also invited two other people, so it was like a good amount of us. And, you know, we always like to dress up, and I was Little Mermaid for Halloween two years ago, Um and I had a longer red wig, which I thought was what I grabbed for the storage space. And I grabbed this one. So it, it still worked. It'll be <laughs> it fine. It's great. Um, we'll be posting photos in our social media of, yeah. of your grace in, in the red wig. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so my other friend was dressed up as a, as Sebastian, the crab. Nice. I saw that. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, but so I think the live versions of the Disney movies have been like, Eh, like the live jungle book I thought was like, okay, mm -hmm. I wasn't thrilled with the lion King version. Okay. Um, I like, I liked Aladdin, but like nobody can t like Will Smith was good, but like you're, you're not Robin Williams. Okay. Like, Beauty and the beast. I thought Beauty and the beast was great. Okay. Like, so that was one of the few. I thought that was really, I thought that's like up here. And I'd say the little mermaid is like, second from that second um, okay um my only like they kept a lot of the same dialogue some was changed a little bit but i was like when they would like again this is the this was the movie that i've watched the most out of like all disney films i feel like little mermaid was like my jam like i know all the words to part of your world i know all of <laughs> ursula's song yeah um so like and um Haley Haley Berry was great. Her voice yeah. was amazing. Um, Melissa McCarthy was fabulous as our as Ursula. Okay. Um, there were like a couple parts that they didn't do, like the sit the other sisters weren't in it as as much as I would have liked. I see. Um, and they changed some of their names, but like I did like that they were all different races. Like that was it was very like harmonious with that um there's some other woke stuff that they kind of tried to throw in there like <laughs> it made scuttle a female which but okay. it worked like 
it's Aquafina, so like she's hilarious. Okay. Um, and so, now, my I... only other thing is I wish Ariel's hair had been like redder, like okay. like this. <laughs> well, they but kept like the, they kept it signature red, but would you say that the choices were diverse or were was it more woke to the point of they're really uh, pushing an agenda? I didn't. I didn't think so. I thought it all worked. Okay. Like it reminded me of well, that's like. That's good. It reminded like it me of the cinder. At first, I was going into it being like, "Oh God, they're gonna make it like really woke and like whatever." But like they change it so like it's in like Jamaica, okay. And like the prince is adopted and like, I, I liked it. I thought it really worked. I they didn't made see some changes. Yeah. They made so a few. Not, yeah. Made a few changes, but like I thought it worked. Um, and I mean, even the in the end, like you know what's happening, but like I teared up. Like, because it was really good. Wow. <laughs> the mu- I mean, they the songs are great. Like, you know, I think the majority of people that are going to see, like, yes, some people are taking their kids, but like, a lot of people are going that are like me, and you know, our age, because like this was the film we watched, like, right, so much growing up. Like, no, um, wasn't this the song slightly changed with the lyrics of um I the barely heard it. I barely heard okay. it. Okay. And the, they they changed one line. Yeah, it was it's suited for for modern sensitivity basically. But it was like it said something like go on and ask her. But they killed, still kept saying go on and kiss the girl. Kiss her, kiss her. Like they said ask one time. Oh, so ask like, one time. Okay. So like I don't I didn't I thought they were gonna be like putting it all throughout the song and I was yes. like, Oh, this sounds terrible. So it's but Kiss the Girl and Poor Unfortunate Souls have been revised. Um, what did they Poor Unfortunate Souls was still Yeah, let's see. So Poor Unfortunate Souls underwent revisions regarding lines that might make young girls somehow feel that they shouldn't speak out of turn. Even though Ursula is clearly manipulating Ariel to give up her voice. Um, yeah. So there are some changes in Kiss the Girl because some people have gotten very sensitive about the idea that the Prince Eric would force himself on Ariel. So so there you go on that. Basically, yeah, Kiss the Girl, like forcing himself on Ariel. No, um, it didn't. And Eric, it didn't. Eric hasn't made any romantic overtures to Ariel at all. Um, <laughs> but no, again, it's that it's didn't all... <laughs> that didn't happen because like he takes her all throughout the town, mm-hmm. like before this, and like you know you can see that there's something blossoming. So okay, I thought it was good. I mean, again, you know she is young in the movie, so it's like it's like you're getting mad about about that. You're not mad that they like just get married when they barely know each other. <laughs> <laughs> It is a fairy tale. And you know how well, fairy right, tales are. Right. Like okay. it's supposed to be a fairy tale. I thought it was very good. I I would give it like a 4.5. 4.5 unicorns? Out of five, yeah. 4.5 unicorns out of five yeah. for uh, The Little Mermaid. Well, that's a good uh, good review. And um, that is on my to-see list. It's a huge, huge week at the box office. But let's talk about the other uh, top films. Um, of course, Fast X um, was second place, 28.7 million after the long weekend, which I did see. Which uh, one? Fast X, Fast and Furious 10. Oh, God. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
I mean, do I need logic? Do I need to have seen all the others? (laughs) It might help to start maybe at Fast Seven, Paul Walker's last one. I mean, I definitely saw the first one. I think maybe I saw the second one. I don't. And then you lost track after that whether you saw the other ones or not. Yeah. Um, they're, I mean, they're just, if you're in the mood for a mindless, just action, <laughs> action no, film, really. <laughs> and lots of, uh, lots of just fast cars and, and explosions and, and impossible stunts, um, right. and brothers going into space. Tyrese and yeah, I don't Ludacris going that. to space. <laughs> you know, it's funny. They always made the joke that one time, like so, at some film, point point in their film franchise fast and furious does the impossible and goes into space and he did it in the last one <laughs> so is this this is the actual final one so this is not actually your grace this is the uh pent ultimate film um they're gonna end with fast fast 11 fast 11 will be the final film they left quite a a, a cliffhanger in this uh, last oh, okay. film yeah so um but um yeah the number three movie gardens of galaxy volume three um great we love both of us loved it 26.1 million hopefully we'll see the return of star lord in another film as they said he will be back um and the fourth place film no surprise super mario brothers still doing strong at 8.3 million um and then um and then the machine, which is um, legendary, legendary's action comedy, um, only, and this is their their debut weekend, only six million. So, um, but nonetheless, of course, um, Super Mario Brothers over one billion. I globally, love that globally, one point two billion at the box office. So. But we got some big movies coming out that was good, that's going to give Little Mermaid and Fast X and the other films some competition. First of all, Spider-Man Across the Universe. The second Spider-Verse film, um, of course, myself and General Zod uh, are big fans of the first film. Um, uh, Your Grace, have you seen the first Into the Spider-Verse film? No, but you know what? That's I'm going to watch that this week because I want to go see the new one. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I just joined that AMC. Like, I pay like. I mean, I know you're you're part of SAG, so you get. We get we get we get something else, yeah. But I <laughs> but I bought. It's like twenty bucks a month, and you can see as up many to, up to three films up to a three week. Three films a week. Wow. So that's yeah. That's a hell of a deal. Movies. That's a hell of a deal, man. So um, I'm gonna try to go see that and. Um, see what else is out that i want to see but yeah yeah so the reviews for the the, the second film across the spider-verse are still embargoed um obviously um i guess uh, until um it's um release um okay on thursday i think that's when uh, reviews can uh even though even though there are reviews on more rotten tomatoes um i guess uh more more in-depth reviews are, are a little more uh, uh held back for now but um Although actually, um, I I'm reading here that uh, that it's been uh, very well reviewed, um, and that um, someone's actually calling it one of the best Marvel films, including live oh. action. What? That's crazy. Well, now I have to definitely watch the first one. Yeah, yeah. 
So um, I'm sure it'll do very, very well in the box office, but let's see actually how the film does. But, um, but uh, yeah, let's see. So um, other than, uh, other than uh, across the spider verse, another, another big film um, I'm looking forward to is the flash. And uh, the flash is uh, Ezra Miller in his, in the title role. And as you know, he's had a lot of, uh, negative press lately um due to some of his public out- outbursts and allegedly choking a woman and uh yeah just doing some crazy Damn. crazy stuff but uh luckily um he's uh, apologized for his behavior or sorry their behavior as uh Ezra Miller is non-binary and um would receive help for complex mental health issues and um Apparently, the reviews so far are very good about The Flash, calling it the best superhero movie they've ever seen, um, according to um, David Zaslov, WBD CEO. Wow. One of the best superhero movies he's ever seen is a very, very, very big statement, you know? Wow. I, mean, there's, I mean, there's so many superhero movies and calling it one of the best ones. So the crazy thing is, is that if this film is indeed the best film and it and they want to make a sequel because of, you know, being a big box office hit, if that happens. um, The now the question is whether the director, Andy Machete, is going to cast Ezra again, you know, because, again, he's had a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Well, he did say um, that um, if a sequel happens. He says, yes. He says, I don't think there's anyone that can play the character as well as Ezra Miller did. Wow. The other depictions of the character are great, but this particular vision of the character, and he uses the pronouns, they, they just excelled in doing it. And as you said, which is interesting because they say they, it's his pronouns, but there's actually two flashes in the film. So they yeah, could be, <laughs> it actually works that way too. Because he said the two berries feels like the character was made for them. Because he's non-binary, he played two flashes. Right. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they said Ezra was brilliant and one of the most committed and most professional actors. That's great. Yeah. So um, strong reviews for the Flash, you know. Okay. So um. And it's interesting because this is the last or one of the last films in the DCEU. So right. I guess it's a big decision to make, you know, whether they carry, you know, Ezra over to the DCU or do they just stop there, you know. Um, it's a whole but thing. I don't know. Yeah, we'll just have to see, wait and see what happens. Yeah. Um, well, um, also another big movie that's making buzz is the Elementals um, animated film. That's also going to um, be dropping soon. It's actually going to be premiering at, this, at the Tribeca Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll be a part of that slate. And um, Elementals, you know, it's, it's kind of a cute premise, you know, where there's um, four elements that are mm-hmm. actual characters, fire, water, earth, and air. You know, the four elements, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it re- reimagines reimagines them as neighbors in a crowded modern metropolis. Yeah. yeah so I uh, saw the previews for that. It looks good. Yeah. I mean, it Wonder, looks cute. It does look cute. I mean, one review said the whole scenario seems forced. Oh. So much world building to tell a story better suited 
uh, to flesh and blood human characters. So saying basically didn't really work as an anim- for animated um, features might might have translated better as live action. Oh, um, I see. Yeah. Um, but uh, also uh, they said Al- Al- Element City, I guess that's the city that the yeah. in, feels an awful like like Zootopia. Mm. But with gelatinous blue blobs, <laughs> oh, okay. well, which is the water, <laughs> right? And glowing orange torch people fire in place of animal species. So there you go. Oh. So you know this is something different. You know it's a, it's a little quirky. You know it's different. It's it's very imaginative. You know so, um, and you know it's it's Pixar. So uh, <laughs> you know, um, you know Disney Pixar. They're they're. They're they're uh, looking for another hit there, so uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that one does really well as well, you know. So. Yeah, I think it will. I think it will Hopefully. too. Yeah. yeah, they just dropped a new t- uh, trailer for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant mm-hmm. Mayhem, um, and this film's gonna drop August second, and um, we've got some interesting cast um, for the voice. So it's, you know, it's animated. Right. Uh, Micah Abbey, Donatello, Shaman Brown Jr., Mike. Uh, Michelangelo, Nicholas Cantu, Leonardo, and Brady Noon as Raphael. Jackie Chan is Master Splinter. Interesting. Wow. Ayo Edebiri is April O'Neil. So they're doing, you know, um, a, a little different casting there. You know, uh, no longer is she the sultry, sexy redhead in right. Yellow Jumpsuit. She's more of a nerdy you know, a uh, teenager type. Uh, and also now she's African-American. So they right. changed that aspect. Um, I mean, they could have made her like still black, but still sexy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? why? Why make her frumpy? I don't know. I, I, you know, it's like they, they really, I, I'm I not a fan of that. That's a thing. You know, you had the sexy girl with these, yeah. turbs, you know, and then you, the signature yellow jumpsuit. Yeah. But, don't. Granted, they did that with Megan Fox, so they're going in a different direction for this film. It's okay. We'll we'll we'll, we'll deal with it. Um, we'll deal with it, I guess. Uh, John Cena is voicing Rocksteady. Um, Seth Rogen is voicing Bebop. Giancarlo Esposito voicing Baxter. Oh Lord, Paul Malone is also voicing a character in Ray. Paul Rudd is voicing Mondo. My Rudolph is voicing Cynthia, and Hannibal Burris is voicing Genghis Frog. <laughs> okay. And also Rose Byrne is voicing Leatherhead and Ice Cube voicing Superfly. So I mean I just remember the one like the original one. Like Oh yeah, with Ernie Reyes Jr. from the nineties. Yeah, I liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> we all love those uh films from the nineties, but uh were they like people in costume? They were actual costume. They weren't like CG. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was good. I mean, again, I'm remembering like back when something we were... when you watched as a kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to see it again and think if it was as good. Yeah. This one's sticking to animation, which is fine because they did have a recent live action, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, as you know, um, Megan Fox portrayed April O'Neil in that in those films. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. yeah. I think I saw that one. I can't. Yeah. Okay. Did that do well? Yeah, it did well. I mean, I think Michael Bay was involved with the first one, and then I think the second one he wasn't involved in, and they had a third one as well. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But we'll see how this one does. So, 
All right, the Cannes Film Festival is wrapped, and uh, this announced some of the uh, the awards that are given at the end of the um, festival, which, again, Cannes is one of the, the biggest and best um, film festivals in the world. And the film Anatomy of a Fall won the Palme d'Or. That's the, the best film, yeah. The Palme mm-hmm. d'Or is uh, the best film and that was awarded by the jury of the Cannes Film Festival. And um, Jane Fonda presented the award, um, yes, to um, to the director for that particular film. And um, yeah, I mean, a lot of these film um, palm the films that get the Palme d'Or go on to do big at the Oscars, like Parasite, remember that Korean film, and. Uh, Triangle of Sadness, um, which did well as uh, as getting nominated, didn't win, but got nominated in Titan, which was an example of one that didn't uh, make it into the Oscar um, selections um, or um, or nominations. But um, but yeah, um, let's uh, let's go over some of the uh, the other winners. Um, uh, let's see, the Grand Prix award uh, goes to Zone of Interest with Jonathan Glazer. Um, the Jury Prize, Fallen Leaves by Aki Karazmaki. Best Director, Tran Ang Hung for The Pot of Few. <laughs> I know I'm mispronouncing some of these. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> uh, Best Actor, Koji Yakusho for Perfect Days. Best Actress, Merv Dizdar for About Dry Grasses. Best Screenplay, Sakamoto Yuji uh, for Monster. So there you go. Um, and um, yeah, um, there's other other winners at the, but we don't have to go over those. But um, yeah, that was the big winner, and uh, of course, uh, a lot of big films. Of course, we talked about last week that Johnny Depp's um, return to Hollywood happened in a French film um, oh, that right. got a standing ovation. So um, uh-huh. yeah, so uh, lots of lots of films that will probably be. Um, probably be nominated the upcoming Oscars and other award shows. So then we got Tribeca. Tribeca is happening in New York City from June 7th through uh, June 19th, I believe, or June 16th. Um, B2B will be there for a few days. Um, one of the films that they're uh, releasing is A Bronx Tale, the directorial debut of Robert De Niro, but this will be a restored edition of this film. Um, will also include exclusive interviews with De Niro. Um, Charles Palminteri will, will, will also be uh, there. Um, so this is uh, being dubbed as the 30th anniversary edition of A Bronx Tale. Wow. Yeah. So Tribeca has a lot of films on the slate. Um, the um, awesome, awesome Broadway play Waitress will be having a, a screening because um, they they um, they shot an um, Similar to what they did with Hamilton, they uh, shot the uh, performance on stage and released you know it. You it's based on a movie, Waitress. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I remember and seeing the movie like years ago and then hearing about the Broadway musical. It was probably, yeah, it was probably enhanced to include um, the music of yeah. um, Sarah Bareilles, you know? Yeah. Because Sarah is just fantastic you know yeah. uh, so that's one of the highlighted films um um david the uh film um bucky 
Bucky fucking Dent. That's the title <laughs> of the film is going to be a part of this late as well. Uh, wow, there's so many good ones. The Listener with Tessa Thompson. Uh, they're also um, screening some TV shows um, like Walking Dead, Dead City, the spinoff yeah. of The Walking Dead with Negan and Maggie. <laughs> That's Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Lauren Cohen. So uh, I had to make sure I was a part of that one because that, yeah. that is my fandom right there. That's so, your show. <laughs> that, is my, that is my jam, yo. That is my jam. So um, that's Tribeca. We're, we're going to talk more about Tribeca in the next uh, upcoming weeks in our film reviews and all that good stuff. Um, so um, in production, we have um, a film um, that I'm really looking forward to. And, you know, as you know, video game adaptations are doing very well, of course, with yeah. uh, Mario Brothers. Uh, and that's Mortal Kombat 2. And I really enjoyed the first film that was uh, released a couple of years ago, some casting news is that Adrian Rudolph, sorry, Adeline Rudolph, best known uh, for her role on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, will play oh, Katana. Yeah. Uh, and um, Tati Gabrielle is also in the film. She is going to be playing Jade. So Katana and Jade were like the, the sexy female assassins, you know, um, and then they just cast Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage will be portrayed by none other than Carl Urban. Wow. Yeah, from The Boys fame. So, yeah. Uh, and the same director for the sequel, Simon uh, McCoy, who directed the 2021 film. Um, so that is going into production. And uh, I really look forward to it. Hopefully it will be a great film. Um, another Blumhouse film. As you know, those crazy horror films from Blumhouse interesting pairing mandy moore and kumail nanjani are going to be in um a film called thread an insidious tale set within the insidious uh you know, universe of those horror films jeremy slater is going to direct it and the plot is going to be under wraps for now but they're going to play a married couple mandy moore and Kumail mm-hmm. nanjani so that's an interesting one um so basically they uh they use a spell go back in time to save their daughter from dying however their actions lead to severe consequences and this is interesting because that's the same plot as the flash because the flash is trying to prevent, yeah you know <laughs> i mom. mean i like both of those actors but that's definitely an interesting yeah that's place. an interesting one right yeah well uh, we'll have to wait and see how this one goes um as you know the writer strike is affecting uh, films like blade and the marvel universe it's also going to be affecting thunderbolts Thunderbolts is kind of like Marvel's answer to Suicide Squad, where they put a bunch of villains and they try to put right. them in to redeem themselves, I guess. Um, but, um, yeah, um, the shadier characters are like Yelena Belova, played by Florence Pugh, Winter Soldier, played by Sebastian Stan, Red Guardian, played by David Harbour, U.S. Agent, played by Riot Russell, Russell uh, Taskmaster, played by Olga Kurdienko. Ghost played by Hannah John Cammon and Julia Louis Dreyfus is Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a heck of a class, but uh, yeah, man, if, if they're about to go to production and writers are on strike, yeah, this one's going to have to be on hold uh, for sure. Um, but, um, and of course, Disney is going to be doing another live action, which I don't know if it's time for this film, but Maybe they want to do it before uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson gets too old, and that is uh, none other than Moana. So, 
Really? Yeah, so The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, will be portraying the live-action version of Maui. Of Maui, right, of his character. And now Moana star Alia Cravalho, who voiced Moana, uh, will not be returning because her character's 14 years old. Now it's 10 years ago. She's, now she's in her 20s. Yeah. So I guess they want to stick closer to the young age and and pick a younger actress. Um, so I think that's what they're going for that one for for Moana. But uh, I mean, why not do like live action Sleeping Beauty or like? I, well, actually, that one's already. I think that's in post production, isn't it? Yeah, with um with uh, Rachel that? Zegler, the real the pretty Latina girl from uh, West Side Story, and she was Is in this? also. Why do I not know about? Yeah, that, that that's already in production. Yeah. I mean, just, wait, no, hold super- on. Not Sleeping Beauty. That's No White and the, and the Dwarves. Okay. She I was going to say that one next. That's right. Sleeping they Beauty. haven't done those. They've done a thousand Cinderella's. Yeah, they did Cinderella like one too many times. There's but, just yeah. so many different versions of it. It's like, yeah. So, and of course, it won't be the Dwarves because now Dwarf is uh, an offensive term or whatever. You did you know that? little person. Yeah. I mean, they could, call, they could call it Snow White and the Little Men, but I guess... You know, because Peter Dinklage is very, very adamant that they they should eliminate that. You know, but he is. Yeah, he's not owning up to his dwarfism. You know. Well, Peter? I mean, I don't think I think you say little pe- people, right? Like little yeah. person. Well, but dwarfism like, is a tech is a is a yeah. medical term. You know. But like, for certain like tr- like stories that are so well known and loved, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um. You know, Santa, uh, like Snow White, like you, you don't, you, you don't want those to be played by little people. Like, I feel like he'd be mad if yeah. they just, I, they just I, made it, yeah, they made at, it like small, like what was that movie, Fred Claus, where they make the the elves weren't played by little people. They're, they're like normal people but they just make them look smaller yeah like you know what i mean like i feel like he'd be mad about that and i think that's why they um removed the seven doors from the title so it's not called just snow white simply so rachel zegler snow white gal gadot as evil queen Um, oh yeah i think i do remember us talking about this yep so that's a that's what's coming up so sleeping beauty i guess yeah i don't believe is is let's check Let's see if Sweeping Beauty is on IMDb. Well, and like Sword in the Stone. Like I'm just thinking of like all the old like, you know. Yeah, there, there there have been other films, but none none under the Disney umbrella, um, for for that because I mean I I believe you know Sleeping Beauty could be, um. Oh. I think it was released as yeah as a different. Well, you know what? It it, it should be released. I mean, if it's it's not on <laughs> the oh, there's the Curse of Sleeping Beauty. That's a different movie though. 2016. Do you remember that one? No. That was a completely different film, but uh, but a little more underground. But um, nonetheless, um, yeah. Speaking of Disney, um, Disney is now going to stream the first four Indiana Jones movies. Mm. Yeah. So uh, if you need to catch up before Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, you can see them all I've on Disney+. All, yeah, I've seen all those, but I should probably rewatch. It should be worth a rewatch for sure. Yeah. 
And um, over the Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal, you know, is a very busy man. He just admitted in an interview that he is rarely under the Mandalorian suit. Yeah, I was shocked by that. Yeah. I didn't know. You were shocked, really? Well, I knew that in the opening credits with Mandalorian, they they credit um, Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowther uh, with Brendan Wayne – mostly for the non-stunt, you know, uh, scenes. Okay. And then Latif uh, Crowder plays him while he performs the stunts. Yeah, so, I didn't know. I didn't yeah, know so both of them are, yeah, are are under the Mandalorian armor and the helmet, whereas Pedro Pascal is mainly limited to voiceover acting. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. But uh, explain that. That he is not on set for a lot of a lot of the shooting and just provides the voiceover. Interesting. Very interesting that that uh, that he admitted that, you know. Yeah. So um, and um, one more thing before we uh take a classic cut break because uh, Art, who's joining us, uh, advised that I not talk about Barry or Succession. Okay. Yeah. Because he he really wants to see the shows and. I myself haven't seen them, but I mean, I will tread carefully, but these are two very popular shows on HBO yeah. that have had their series finale. So they're done. The final episode of Barry, if you might have heard in the opening promo with Anthony Carrigan, which was awesome. Um, uh, we found that um, fan favorite character Noho Hank uh, met to a deadly end while a- Anthony Carrigan's character went through a grieving process saying goodbye to the character he considered uh hank's heartbreaking final moments to be fitting and for the character that was in in lockstep with the choices he's made this season yeah no hank uh he went uh through that grieving process for that character so that's i think a very appropriate uh uh soundbite to play at the beginning of the show um uh, but um, a lot of um, positive reviews for both both finales, and of course the Succession finale. Yeah, people love that show. People were talking about Succession, uh, the episode's title with open eyes, and this is dealing with the aftermath of the death of the the, the patriarch, yeah. yeah, Brian Cox character, and um, sees uh, Kendall, Roman, and Shiv head into a con- uh, board meeting to determine the next um, CEO of the company. And uh, attempting to stop the company's merger with an, um, Alexander Skarsgård's other company. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, you sound like you know what I'm talking about. I, I, because Sherm watches it. So okay. I, good. I, like I hear things and I've seen some of it, but I'll, I'll be like, what's going on? He's like, stop, stop that. Like, <laughs> because I, because I haven't watched the whole thing, but I know enough to know like what's going on and he was watching the last episode and i go i was like so is everything good he's like they all got fucked (laughs) (laughs) yeah so apparently tom revealed to shiv that he's the new ceo and gets in a fight with greg and we have uh yeah i don't know i i know that the daughter's name is shiv but i don't like i don't know which one is tom yeah so they have a very soprano style ending Okay. A Roman alone by himself at a bar and Shiv and Tom silently uh, sitting silently in the car moments after Tom had been named CEO. And is Tom uh, the other brother? Yeah. 
So okay. um, let me verify that for you. Uh, <laughs> I think well. Uh, too it's too late. I'm not gonna watch this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom is um a Matthew McFadden. Yeah, played by Matthew McFadden. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, okay. Again, this is uh this is everybody's talking about Succession, so I feel like we kind of have to mention it, you know, as a entertainment show, even though I kind of haven't even. I watched one of those recaps that somebody does. I like, think we need to, Your Grace. I think we both need to watch those recaps and talk about because yeah. everybody's talking about that shit. So. That's what I'll do. I'll watch the recap on YouTube. So we're going on great time. So I think this is a good time to take a classic cut break. Um, so this. Man, this classic cut comes as no surprise. We lost a legend in the in the music industry, um, an icon in the name of Tina Turner. Um, Tina Turner, man, she's just such an incredible, incredible talent. Um, died of 83. Um, she lived a good life. Yeah, she did. It, it, for mo- the most part, obviously, she had an abusive relationship. Well, with her right. Husband. Towards the end, yeah. Towards the end, but uh, she died of natural causes, but also announced that she um, had some kidney issues due yeah. to hypertension, high blood pressure, and um, that's the thing, which is interesting, because those of you that have not gotten their blood pressure check and have not gone to get their annual physical, please do, because I can speak from experience. If you... Uh, if you have high blood pressure, get it treated. Please get it treated. It, it puts you at risk for 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 heart attack and increases your risk for stroke and other health issues. So, yeah, if um, medications, and that's the thing. Uh, Tina Turner said, "I put myself in great danger by refusing to face reality that I needed mm-hmm. lifelong therapy with medication." So, but so I decided to play a Tina Turner song um, for the classic mm-hmm. cut, um, and you know I thought. Well, everybody knows what love got to do with it. And I right. love that song. I really do love that song. But I thought with the upcoming uh, interview that we'll be playing during the break, also with Shazam star, Grace okay. Caroline Curry, I thought a better song choice would be We Don't Need Another Hero. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. So I love that song. It's a great song, right? Yeah. So, so we're going to play um, Tina Turner's We Don't Need Another Hero. This is the classic cut. Rest in peace, Tina Turner. Um, she will definitely be missed, an icon for sure. Yes. All right, we'll be back right out here on BTB. Living Curry, the star of Shazam, Fury the God. Oh, Shazam! Oh my God, Shazam! I love Shazam, by the way. Oh, thank you. And your character, a very unique character, because you're the same actor that plays uh, Mary pre-Shazam and post-Shazam. Yes, yes. How did you feel about that? The only actor who yeah. is a uh, double timing throughout yeah. the production. So, um, oh gosh, it was an honor. I mean, Mary. Marvel from the comics, Mary yes. Marvel. Yes. We call her Mary Shazam, or you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, we don't have an official name. That wasn't an official Mary name Brom? at all. Mary Bromfield. Yes. We'll go by you know her pedestrian name. Um, yeah. I mean, it 
is a dream come true. So and the post credits made me want more because I know there's a changing of the guard of DCU to James Gunn. Uh, how, how do you how's a, how how do you react to that? And what do you think is the future of Sam? So Peter Safran and I go back to Annabelle Creation days. Uh, so I I am really excited to see what he does. I'm I'm yeah. such a fan from just knowing him, working with him personally, and yeah. um, how he is on set and handles his productions. And yeah. I mean James Gunn, it goes without saying. He's he's done amazing work with Marvel and and the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, and so much and has so much knowledge with comics, which. <laughs> I'm really interested in someone with that heart and the comics, and I, I really want to see what they do. Yes. I'm really interested in just seeing what they build, because it's, I, I, I know there's a, a lot of conversations going on about everything and the changes, and um, I'm on the edge of my seat. I can't wait to see. And we hope Shazam is a part of it, right? We, we sure do. Right. We sure do. I hope so. I love Mary. I'd love to get to play her again. But I did say goodbye to my suit because you just never know. Because it might be a different suit. This is true. Yeah. This is very true. But the reason that you played the, you know, the same actress for both, even though the first Shazam was a little different, you had another actress playing your character, was it because your character was an adult, considered an adult? Yes. Okay. It's a little funny to have two adult actresses uh, playing the same character. I, yeah. We felt that it would get a little confusing. And, yes. and even during the first one, there was discussion of whether or not we would have one actress jump between the two roles. Nice. And then I got older, and they went, it's time it's to do that. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. What was your favorite scene in the entire uh, Fury of the Gods to shoot? My gosh. We had so much ensemble work, which was just so much fun whenever we were all together. Yeah. Um, I personally really enjoyed stunt work and flying through the air and any opportunity to be a nerd and emulate what I saw in the comics of Mary, whether it was her superhero stance, her flying position, how she holds her fists, you know. Um, I really enjoyed that. It was really fun to shoot this stunt where we dropped from the ceiling uh, right before we beat up Helen and Mirren um, and give her a nice flip to the ground. <laughs> Spoiler alert, action, action happens. Um, that was really fun because we dropped, we dropped from super high up really fast. Um, and I've done falling stunts before, but this time I landed on my feet. And when you land on your feet from a fall, it's a little, it's a little different. Your body's a little scary. Yeah. scary. The film you did in 2022, I believe it's titled The Fall, correct? There's a great segue, falling. Yeah. Yes. Falling. Falling. It is called fall. It is fall. Okay. I, I fall a lot yeah. in fall. Yes. <laughs> I was curious how they shot that. Practically. Practically. You in were 2,000 feet in the air? Well, well, movie magic. You cannot get a film crew at that high. Yes. We had a 100-foot tower on a cliff, so half of our views were that 2,000-foot drop. Wow. But then the other half, you had you know, Video Village, our director with a bullhorn yelling up to us actors up at the top of the tower yeah. uh, in the sun, just dropping off of a tower, climbing a tower. No blue screen except for the sky. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us about uh, here. You're here with the Creative Coalition. You did the. Um, you're with Capitol Hill today. Uh, uh, you know, advocating for arts uh, through this great organization. Tell us about your day today in Capitol Hill. Oh my gosh. Um, in a few words, humbling and inspiring. 
Um, it, it's really fascinating to visit somewhere that has so much history and has people walking the halls that we were so thankful to get to speak with some of those people today and um, share our stories, our experiences with the arts, as well as people we know whose lives have been impacted by the arts and um, showing up and being there and, and them hearing from us and not reading off of pages of information, but having faces and stories and um, real experiences of the impact that art has had on kids with mental health issues, which is really concerning and happening more than ever. And I've had experience volunteering with youth groups and seeing kids that are um, opening up about just some really devastating mental health issues and seeing them get involved with theater in their school and suddenly they are engaging with other people and full of life full of life, whereas before they were maybe considering taking their life. So um, it, it was a really beautiful thing today to get to share about the importance of arts, that it's not frivolous, it's not the cherry on top, it's um, in our history, it's in our DNA, it's uh, a need as humans and in humanity, right? We just can't help but lean towards art, whether for healing and also some of the stories shared today about the work with veterans and using glass blowing for mental health repair was fascinating and wow. having history with breaking things and and their traumas and then making something with glass and feeling that power of making something and, and the slowness of it was really um, interesting to think about. So, I mean, art is crazy, right? It's incredible. It's very, very powerful. Incredible organization and there was an incredible response. Yeah of what you guys did today. Um, and uh, Grace, thank you so much for talking with us and click on this. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, we don't need another hero. Yeah. That song is great. I mean, Isn't it? I feel like I love that one. Simply the best. And then what's love got to do with it, obviously. When, when you think of Tina Turner, you think of those exact yeah. three songs. Those three. Yeah. And, uh, of course, um, yes, the Creative Coalition events uh, preceding the White House Correspondents' Dinner, our final interview with Grace Carolyn Curry, uh, Mary Mary Bromer from Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and the first Shazam film as well. That's awesome. Um, so uh, it was great to talk to her and for her to tell us about this, the decision for her to play the same, for, for, for her to be the same actress portraying both versions of pre Mary yeah. Shazam, post Mary Shazam, whereas all the other characters had kids and it simply was the fact that she grew up. So I, I liked her answer on that one. So That's that cool. was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I had one more HBO thing. Have, Morgan, have you ever seen uh, the righteous gemstones? Yes. I watched that. I love that show. It's such a funny show, man. It's hilarious. Yes. They're ridiculous. Like, Yes. I don't even I feel like somebody on this told me to watch that. Like it might have been me because I've I've loved the show. I mean I've I've been a fan of Dan Brides. How many seasons are we on? So uh yeah, season three is about to drop soon. They just dropped a season three trailer. Yeah. Because I've been waiting. Like they are all ridiculous, but like Yeah. It's it's a funny show. I really like it. Like I Yeah. Oh, I mean, Danny, I've been, again, I've been watching him since uh, Eastbound and Down. Right. Uh, you remember that show, which was 
him pretty much playing the same characters. I mean, he was ridiculous in that. And I, I remember someone that I dated or whatever always watched that, and I was like, this guy is ridiculous. But like, yeah, he's the same. Yeah, he's like you said, he's like the same. Like he's the same character. Yeah. Except now there's a there's a whole crazy family involved. With it, like. That's right. Yeah, and now it's a crazy family, and apparently there's another crazy family that's gonna, according to the trailer, is gonna like compete uh, against uh, the Gemstone family, and that's um, uh, new cast members: Stephen Dorff, um, Eliza Schlesinger, Shia Wiggum, Lucas Haas, Robert Auburst, and uh, okay. Casey Wilson. Um, new cast members for the upcoming season three. And I, I'm a big fan of uh, Eliza Schlesinger, as you know, had appeared on BTB twice and uh, glad to see she's doing big things uh, in the Righteous Gemstones. And uh, just at the perfect time, because we just finished HBO, because <laughs> this particular guest co-host tonight said, do not fucking bring me on for barrier succession talk. <laughs> and, That's right. We did just that. That's right. I would have I would have thrown a little bitch fit and just signed off. You would have signed off. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Joining us from sunny Los Angeles, California. Not sunny it, now, man. It's not sunny now? <laughs> Been gray all month, yeah. Oh, that's okay, okay. Gray skies. Yeah. Usually gray. sunny California. Usually sunny California, guys. He is podcaster, actor. Editor, filmmaker, director, father, dreamer, and dreamer. The one, <laughs> the one and only Art Hall joining us here on BTB. What up? What up? You're joined by yours truly, Celebrity Soto, and Morgan Fabulous channeling her inner I'm area. I'm my little mermaid. Oh, nice. <laughs> now, Art, since you're a part of the Disney family, um, have you already seen Little Mermaid? I haven't. My wife saw it, but I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it yet? Okay. What did your wife think? I haven't, I haven't had a chance to get out to the theater. I mean, I actually, no, that's a lie, because I just saw Evil Dead Rise. Yes. But that was the first time I'd been to a movie, like a new movie, since, wow. I don't know, like, fuck, like a year. <laughs> so, Let yeah. me guess the movie was uh, Top Gun Maverick? No, no, Evil, no, it wasn't then. And uh, we said I, I a year. Remember. Oh, I don't know what it was a year ago. You'd think I would remember, but I don't. <laughs> You're right, right. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's good to, it's but anyway, good to get to the theater again, of course. I have not seen I have not seen Little Mermaid. Is the okay. Okay. Um, yeah, Morgan gave us uh, a Morgan Fabulous review. Get it? Get it? Morgan Fabulous review of The Little Mermaid. I liked it. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Hard, what's your opinion of all pretty much Disney going through the animated library and just converting every animated feature in into a live action yeah i don't know yeah. <laughs> you know i mean hey sometimes uh, it, it works it, yeah it's like it's it's all studios at this point are doing some variation of this or another you're using you're using previously owned ip mm-hmm. to generate new content as a way of making money because right. there's less risks being taken and you know yeah. but also everything costs more there's bigger loss if you screw up so that's what it is it's just all of them are just trying to play it safe business wise yeah well uh, it was the number one movie as we mentioned earlier so uh yeah i'm curious if uh, we're gonna see print i mean we were just talking about moana and that movie just came out yeah, not even like six years ago yep 
yeah. six or seven years ago, and they're already uh, decided to make a live action, maybe before The Rock is too old, I guess. Maybe. I, I think, from what I understand, it was really his thing, too. He was spearheading that, is my understanding. Yeah. So yeah, you're like, right. He, he brought that to them and pitched it, and yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes total sense. Uh, Art Hall, of course, is a part of amazing podcasts. Two, actually, amazing podcasts. I think one is in hiatus, but one, one of them... Yeah, I'm still waiting to finish season three of one of them. So right, <laughs> but the one that you can hear new episodes now is go ahead and Arthur throw it out one more time. That was disappointing. Yep, yep, that was disappointing. T W D. Yeah, T-W-D. the name says it all. So the name says it all. <laughs> yeah, of course. What's in uh, a name? A promise. That's yes, name. yes, and I love how you talk about all these. Uh, um, different topics that you just, I mean, you guys do a great job of, of picking a topic that we haven't heard before and then just, just making every episode so very unique. Well, you know, the secret to that is uh, coming up with shit at the last minute because we're poor planners. Oh, so. <laughs> I definitely know what that's like. That's why we have a skeleton crew tonight. on Yeah, yeah I was going to say, this is a bit anemic as per yes. as to the usual crew, you know? This is, this is, but we were happy that you can help us out. So we just started television talk, of uh, course. Um, okay, before we get to that, your other, your other podcast mm. is Subversive Cinema. So when is that going to come back? Uh, that's a good question. I, um, <laughs> I'm hoping soon. I'm hoping soon. I just okay. need to to reach out to the last few people who were booked for that particular season and just lock it in and okay. I just get it done and reevaluate. So I don't know. I'm gonna, you know, maybe I'll give myself the the deadline of uh, within the month of June. Okay. Uh, by the end of June, it'll be I, there. I got dibs on anything that, that was at can, by the way. If, if you oh no, say. this is all a bunch of old stuff at this point. Yeah. <laughs> The movies that are left are like the 80s. Oh, okay. For okay. this season. Yeah, for this season. I, I really love Tatan. So, uh, you know, uh, I know that uh, the Palme d'Or went to um, an, another great film. Uh, so we just mentioned it. It escapes my mind. But nonetheless, uh, we just talked about Ken earlier. But but now, now my mind's on television. So <laughs> we should be talking about TV. Um, so, yeah, um, let's go over to Netflix as we just finished HBO. Um Arnold Schwarzenegger is now a TV star. Can you believe it? Um, he's in a, a series called Fubar, which is at the top of the Netflix Netflix TV list um, during the uh, the time period of May 22nd to May 28th. And um, thank God, defeating Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story, <laughs> which is number one after a three week run. Um, <laughs> now, which I which thought is, was great. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought this would be a fun uh, topic because this is Schwarzenegger's first ever TV series. And, you know, there are some actors out there that still have not acted in a TV series. And uh, um, I'm curious if there's any movie stars that haven't jumped over that you'd like to see in a series. It's a short mm-hmm. list now, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, that's tricky. Yeah. Um... Half the ones I was about to name already have done television. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's no longer second rate. Well, no, there's so much prestige television these That's days. That's right, prestige so. television this day, these days. And uh, now you got Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone in their first ever TV series. And one that comes to mind, now I, I don't count freaking Going Pains. I don't count Going Pains, but uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. 
I would love to see him in a prestige series. Yeah, yeah he. Well, yeah, think... I think you're saying you're saying as an actor, right? Not, I mean, sorry, as like a regular actor on the show, not just as a guest star. Yeah. All right, because exactly. there's been some pretty heavy guest stars in lots of sitcoms and things, but those yeah. don't count. Then we're talking yeah. about yeah, yeah. So Does I don't know what you're talking. Like, did Leonardo play multiple episodes or? Yeah, he was. Um, he was, he was a recurring on uh, the last two seasons of Growing Pains. Oh shit! I don't even. I don't That's remember right. the show. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, Chachi reminded me of that because he's the king of the '80s. But uh, yeah. but I'd like to see him in a prestige series, and uh, I think it would do fantastic if he went wanted to go that route. I mean, he's already doing made-for-TV movies like Killer, Killers of the Flower Moon is going straight to Apple, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is. It's an Apple film, yeah. Apple exclusively for Apple. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, let's think of some of the names that that are on the list. We have an Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, Tom well, Hanks. For me, Nick Cage. Nick and technically, Cage. technically, Tom Hanks already did television when he did Band of Brothers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a very good point. Band of Brothers. Yeah. Nick Cage. Yes, that's a good one. Nicholas Cage. I'm waiting for his big comeback, uh, you know. Oh, like, I feel like he's already starting to make it now. He's I feel making like he's, it. With, he like, Renfield, that, that was a pretty big one. The vampire movie? Yeah, it was called Renf- Renfield. Renfield. Renfield, yeah. 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 Did either of you get a chance to see that one? I have not yet, no. Yeah. But it looked funny. Like, I thought it was okay. Yeah, all the reviews I've seen so far, like, give it good marks. And that. It's yeah. really a story about Renfield. You know, I think it was it Nicholas Holt, Nicholas Holt, I think is who's playing that. Yeah, Nicholas Holt. But, yeah. you know, like there's just enough Dracula that pops in yeah. there that, you know, that gives Nick Cage a chance to be like, uh-huh. it's the vampire Nick Cage sort of, you know. Right. Yeah. What about you, Morgan Fab? Does um, anyone come to mind that you've seen primarily in movies, but not on, not on TV and that you like to see jump over? I mean, I was about to say Reese Witherspoon, but then I remembered she was in that um... morning show. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that and I think something else. Um, oh yes, yeah, she's another show on HBO uh, with Adam big Scott. Little, big Little Lies. Big or? Little Lies. <laughs> That's right. Was that her? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to read that book. Yeah. I don't uh, know. <laughs> completely fair because I think that list is dwindling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's very many left on that list. I mean, Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt. Um, yeah. Robbie. Jennifer Lopez? I don't think she's done a series. I mean, I, if you want to count in Living Color. In but... Living Color, yeah, as a fly girl. <laughs> living Color. As uh, a fly girl. It is so funny, man. Have you seen Schwarzenegger's show? I have. Um, I, I, I wanted to watch the first episode, so when we did our trip to Philadelphia, Daryl, uh, our buddy Daryl, Sexual Chocolate, <laughs> started playing Fubar. <laughs> And the Airbnb we rented had a projection screen, and I couldn't see shit. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you had to actually turn the lights off, but I wasn't ready for Betty Bye yet. So yeah, uh, it's just like going yeah, to a sure. movie theater. You can go Betty Bye with the lights out. Just you know, turn out the lights. Yeah, I, know, I know. I could probably could have watched it too, but uh, we ended up watching Dungeons, started and Dragons, watching Dungeons and Dragons, which was uh. Sherm started watching it and said it was. He said it was like it was a silly. It was silly. It's like, I, from what I understand, it and also it sounds like True Lies with a slight variation where there's like another person involved, but yes. you know, it's just the, the retired action guy or like who's or you know the spy who's trying to keep it on the down low and he gets pulled back in. But True Lies yeah. was fun; it was a fun action comedy with the twist so. that his daughter is also uh, undercover CIA as well. 
Right, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, so that's an interesting twist. So, um, Also on Netflix, uh, Black Mirror is coming back for another um, um, return to the anthology series. Um, this next season will be five episodes or mini films since they're so standalone, right? Um, did either of you get into Black Mirror or any of those? I did. I, like, it was weird because I got into the like when it came to America, and then I didn't realize that there was other seasons that were like when it was I guess British or something. Yeah. So I kind of like started in the middle, went back, and then when Bandersnatch came out, I did that, and that was so much fun. And I kind of hope they do that again. Yeah, they got some really cool. Um cool premises of the upcoming episodes um one is called joan is awful where an average woman is stunned to discover a global streaming platform has launched the prestige tv drama which we're just talking about yeah. adaptation of her own life um <laughs> which wild. is played by yeah which is played by salma hayek and uh yeah. and that trailer i saw annie murphy uh as the average woman but of course annie murphy is far from average she's right. very lovely um and that's also stars um michael Sarah, um okay. mesh patel ben barnes uh, of course sama hayek and then there's another um episode called lock henry which is a young uh, couple travel to sleepy to a sleepy scottish town mm. to start work on a genteel nature documentary but find themselves drawn to a juicy ooh, juicy local story involving Shocking events of the past, and that stars uh, Daniel Portman, John Hanna, Monica Dolan, and Samuel Blanken. So those are just uh, a couple of those uh, episodes um, for the upcoming um, season six. Yeah, season six of this uh, Netflix anthology series, which drops on June 15th. So I'm sure you guys will be looking forward to that one. now, um, moving on to Showtime. So this is a show that I, I, I watched a few episodes of, and I've been meaning to go back, and that's Yellow Jackets. Fuck yes. Love yes. Oh, are, yeah. you, are you up to date on, on Yellow oh, yeah. Jackets? All art? the way. Can, can you yep. talk about the finale? What, what, what can, you, can you give us your review? Uh, I'm, I think... I'm not okay. I'm okay with spoilers. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, my boyfriend watched like, it. Read any I'm of it. it. Yeah. So I, I think that um, – They've continued the intrigue in that they've given I, I have to say they're parsing out the information at a pretty good pace, you know, where you start seeing and hearing like, well, what did they do with this? And then you start seeing how they devolved from being this high school team to like, you know, this ragtag pack of quasi pagans <laughs> that begin to like essentially say, well, the only way to survive is we have to essentially sacrifice one person whenever we start getting hungry and they come up with a whole ritual for that. Like that was the big thing of the, of the season two is how do they get towards eating people regularly? And then they took out one of the, uh, what's that? I'm like, it sounds like a no for me already. Oh yeah. (laughs) But man, I tell you, it's the reason, uh, just, I know I'm all over the place, but, uh, but the reason I got into the show was I actually read a spoiler about, um, season two's second episode. Cause I had not watched the show at all. My wife had already watched season one and she really liked it. So after reading that, I was like, Oh, so they finally get to eating somebody. Sounds interesting. <laughs> Let's get back and watch this show then. <laughs> Cause I didn't know what the hell it was about. 
Because that was, was that was absent in season one. We didn't see the cannibalism as much, did we? Well, no. You saw it in the very first episode, the pilot, but it wasn't explicit in what it was. You could just infer that when the girl falls in the pit and then she's dead, and then all of a sudden, you know, they have meat, you can infer where they got it from. Oh, wow. In the pilot episode. Oof, and yeah, so a lot of going back and forth to that that tragic. There is a tragedy. lot. Well, the thing that's interesting is you already know they're gone in the wilderness, wherever this is, for 18 months. So you right. know there's a ticking clock on that. And because of that, I was telling my wife, I said, I like this already more. Like, I feel like they have their shit together more than lost. Like, it's essentially the same concept. Like, weird shit happens in the woods. Is it real? Is it psychological? Who right. knows? But you know that they get out of it. So there's there's two storylines, you know, there's the young and the old, but you know that the young, the people who you see as grown-ups, they're going to clearly live. It's just right. what do they do? Right. But and as the young uh, people we don't see in the future, that's it's well, I, I called I didn't call who was going to get killed in the season finale, but I did say they're going to kill one of them. And it's because, you know, as grown-ups, they're not safe anymore. Anything can happen, and that's what they did. They took out one of the series uh, regulars. And wow. uh it was a pretty pretty Bold choice, but at the same time was also satisfying. So, I mean, not like, oh, my God, she's dead. But of all the people that they could have let go, mm -hmm. you know, it made sense because she was already having a difficult time as a character in the show. So yeah. it, it, it was pretty well done. And I'm excited to see where they go. And uh, I honestly don't know what to expect. One thing I'll say about this show. Nothing is ever as it seems like Throughout the entire first season, I was just like, I thought I had my my hand, my finger on the pulse of it. Nope, totally yeah. wrong. Okay, <laughs> so it's 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 great. So, what, really like out of curiosity, what made, what made you be up to date with this show as opposed to The Barry and the Succession? What made you like must see TV for Yellow Jackets? Well, the easy thing is that though that only had two seasons. Okay, <laughs> the other right. ones, the other ones, I got like what four or five seasons yeah. or something behind them so that's a lot more content that i have to barry has three yeah, yeah succession that's how i am yeah yeah but now that they're both done then you know my wife and i can just blast through blast them, through so. it yeah. yeah and not only the, the those two series end uh succession and uh barry marvelous mrs Maisel uh has uh has wrapped up um their final episode or uh, season just uh just dropped uh and of course the series finale entitled uh, Four Minutes. Um, yeah, it's uh, Midge, Midge, who's the character that uh, Rachel Brosnan uh, portrays, appears on a uh, something, uh, it's a talk show. It's a Johnny Carson type talk show called The Gordon Ford Show, where she's working as a writer. So, um, but uh, that is another show that, that was. Um, that I've always wanted to go back and resume and, you know, being a fan of Rachel's or work, work with her own house of cards on Netflix. And, um, was really, really a uh, great experience, um, to, uh, to work closely with her for a few episodes, uh, at house of cards when she, uh, was here in be more Maryland hun shooting house of cards, which is really cool. And granted she, she did below the belt show. Can I get Rachel Brosnan back on below the belt show? Probably not. Right. Uh, but back then, <laughs> It was like, okay, yeah, just talk to this person and I'll set it up. Boom. And she did she did blow the belt show, you know. Uh, which remains to this day one of our, our premier uh interviews on the show. So mm -hmm. um another Amazon show that's wrapping up is uh Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. And speaking of House of Cards, 
Michael Kelly, who's another uh, actor that I, I got to work with uh, on House of Cards, uh, is a part of that cast. Michael Kelly, another great stand-up guy, and I'm glad to see him go from one DC-based show to another like DC-heavy-based show. You know, it's kind of cool. And working with John Krasinski, and uh, it was a blast. I did some stand-in work for um, Michael Pena. Uh, Michael Pena will be a series um, regular for the fourth and final season. And um, has either of you watched Jack Ryan on uh, that's, Amazon? That's the one with, yeah, no, I have not. <laughs> not to be confused with Jack Reacher. Yeah, I was like, no, I watched Jack Reacher. Did not see Jack, Jack Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> Good old John Krasinski, who was uh you know was as uh mr mr fantastic reed richards in uh the multiverse of madness but now ah. now it's uh, rumored to be uh adam driver so um that's still well, he did get turned in the pasta so yeah. <laughs> right just saying yeah, sense. yeah that, that would be a good one and and my favorite margot robbie portraying uh sue uh sue storm um uh, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Richards. Uh, I think that's an interesting combo, Margot Robbie and Adam Driver. Yeah. Um, yeah. The new so the, this hasn't been made official yet, but we will see. We will see what happens there. Amazon dropped the trailer for a really unique sh- uh, series called "I'm a Virgo." So this is Jarrell Jerome oh, yeah. portraying a 13-foot-tall black man living in Oakland, California. Um, and you can see the series uh, starting on June 23rd. And uh, interesting. I mean, 13. F- I mean, I guess yeah, there have been humans that have reached the heights of 13 feet before, haven't there? I don't know what the world no. record is. No? No, I think the, the max is like eight feet. Eight feet? Okay. <laughs> Somewhere around there. Like no, I, I saw the trailer for this. It looks interesting. I mean, he's it like, he's cool. not just a tall guy. He's a fucking big guy. He's a giant, you know? Right. Yeah. He's proportional. Yeah. He's not just a super tall, lanky dude. Yeah. Right. Right. So uh, interesting how uh, Amazon describes the series as a darkly comedic, fantastical coming of age joyride. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so there you go. Um, and of course, it is, yeah, the month of May, the end of May. And of course, more and more series finales. And the se- season finale, Ted Lasso, apparently. Yeah. Uh, was well reviewed too. Another show I've yet to get into. Art, have oh, you great. have you gotten into Ted Lasso? I have not. I have not. Is that we on the list? We just watched the season finale today. It's oh, great. cool! Can you give us a good non spoilery review? No, you can you can say what unless you want to get into it. Then yeah. But I mean, I, you can spoil it for me. So okay, well, that's cool. Do you want me to spoil? Yeah, we've we, we been fucking up shit. Spoilers all the time. <laughs> I mean. He he leaves like he leaves the team. Ted leaves the team and goes back to Kansas to be with his son. Um, But, you know, the it's they wrap it up very nicely with all the other characters. And, um, you know, it's kind of a tearjerker, but it's also funny. I loved that show. Like, I think it has something for everyone. Sports. Mm -hmm. There's drama. There's comedy. There's mm-hmm. like romance. I it's really it's a really well written show. Like even Sherm likes it. My boyfriend who usually is only watching like action films, right, or Nazis or horror Nazis. I just, like <laughs> I'll turn I'll turn around. And I'm like, is this another war movie? 
I just oh, hear okay, like explosions you. and guns, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, but you like Ted Lasso with me, so. Ted Lasso always continually nominated. Uh, yeah, and it's three, it's only three seasons, so you can. Yeah. yeah. Is it is it a reason to to have to keep an Apple TV subscription? I uh, think so. Severance is reason enough, if you ask me. Yeah. I haven't yeah. watched that. That's right. That's right. Hanging with uh, your boy Adam Scott at the Severance uh, yeah. screening premiere event the, uh, not too long ago. So that was really really cool. There's um, another show on Apple called Shrinking. It's got Shrinking, Harrison, yes. too, yeah. right. Harrison Ford. And that's only 30 minutes long. It was the first season. I thought that was very good. Funny. Yeah. Really good. I like a nice 30 minutes. I feel like I'm like moving it along, you know? Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. <laughs> 30 minutes. I mean, that's that's kind of... Has, has there been a comedy series longer than 30 minutes? I think that's kind of like... When it's comedy, they stick to that. It's very well, right. formulaic, right? If it's right? just comedy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if someone can think of one, please, please let me know. But I, I, I can't think of any right now that exceeded half an hour. You know, I think they're very. Yeah. That was a very, very strict, um, time limit on on a comedic, uh, episodic comedy. Um, um, I guess there's been dramedies, right? You know, dramedies. Yeah, I mean, Ted kinda, Lasso is like, it's. It's comedy, but there's some, yeah, I guess it's dramedies. So. Right. So that that had exceeded 30 minutes. That's it's more like an hour. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a, that that's probably a very rare case because not not many are, you know. But um, but yeah, that that pretty much uh, covers television. Um, because of the writer strike, I think the television news has kind of been uh, a little slower, but uh. Man, it's it's. I guess we're not we're not really feeling it yet because a lot of the stuff that was when the strike happened, the script's already written, mm-hmm. and then things went into production. So if there's no script rewrites, they're just gonna you know produce the series or film. But now it's stuff after these shows wrap, and then we're hitting this uh, uh, the summer where production slow down, and then now wow, are we gonna get like pretty much reality television? You know, if if the writers. <laughs> <laughs> don't come out yep. i mean it's gonna be crazy because i remember the last writer's strike my god there was nothing but crappy reality reality television on when that, that? That is, it's not what gave reality it's it's major rise was that it whole did. thing i think yeah. johnny fairplay you know one person that's very happy about it's johnny fairplay because he was very very excited to yeah <laughs> To have more opportunities for him to be on television. So, yeah. <laughs> as the king of reality television, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of messed up, this whole writer strike. I mean, obviously, the things that are most affected are like Saturday Night Live, where there's quick turnarounds and talk shows. But, man, if it, if it continues, I mean, fuck, we're going to be waiting. We're going to be waiting for, for television. For for great television and and yep. great films, you know. So we're already wait we're already waiting pretty long as it is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, at least at least some films wrapped just in time. I heard House of the Dragon, uh, season two was able to wrap just oh, nice. time right before the writers strike. So, but um, well, let's move on to gossip. It's interesting gossip news. Um, kind of related to what um. Your Grace and I talked, uh, Morgan, about how they changed the lyrics in Little Mermaid to you know, more, you know, to be more sensitive to today's audiences. Like, 
asked to kiss, you know, instead of going for the kiss, you know. And here's another instance. Um, apparently, um, Monty Python's Life of Brian star and co-writer John Cleese uh, claims that he is not going to um, cut a particular scene from the Broadway adaptation of his play. Um, Broadway adaptation, rather, of his film. This is a 1979 film. Um, and this features Loretta, um, where one of the male characters uh, declares he wants to be a woman, and he asks his friends to call him Loretta from then on. The punchline therein relies on humor that has not aged well with transgender activists and allies, as the scene is dismissive of trans people. And apparently, um, John Cleese was advised to uh, cut the Loretta scene. But he said he had no intentions of considering cutting it. Um, uh, and um, no intention of doing so. It's my because another another thing that the character said was it's my right as a man. I want to have babies. It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. And Cleese's character protests that it's impossible for men to have babies because they don't have a womb. And if you're a trans man, you do have a womb. So it's a. Uh, I don't know. It's my opinion. Is I, I feel that you you have to be very aware of when um, a film was released, right? And take that in consideration. Add uh, a disclaimer if need be. But but to I mean also though like I thought film and television and movies and plays. We're supposed to be, you know, art. Right. So art can be interpreted interpreted in a number of different ways and should also not be criticized for that, I think. Right. But again, like this was done in the 70s. I still that that piece sounds funny as hell to me. <laughs> like uh, agreed. Also truthful. Men cannot have babies. Right. Unless they're trans men, which, <sighs> yeah, we're, we're going to completely different. Going to a dark place, but I don't want to go. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is the world today and, and this kind of, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's all with the world today. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, watching uh, the Chasing Chasing Amy documentary, which um, your grace, I told you about, it's one of the Tribeca selected. Yeah, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, yeah it, it was fantastic. And, um, it was just um, the story of, of a queer kid who was very influenced by Chasing Amy and because of that film saved his life because of being which bullied in high school, yeah. which is crazy because of the positive uh, depictions of characters in the LGBT community. And um, during during the film, you know, Sav was lucky enough to talk to Kevin Smith, to Joy Lauren Adams, and do interviews with them, talking about the film, and also chronicled his life as a transgender uh, man. Um, you know, starting in the very beginning at Savannah Rogers, and then you know, during the, the journey to Sav Rogers, and um, you know, I mean, you know, it, you watch you watch a documentary like that, and and, and you know, and, and part of me does understand why why some changes need to be made, but um, but I feel with something like Life of Brian, which is just 
just an iconic film, you know, and knowing, knowing the time it was released that some things need to be overlooked, mm-hmm. you know, just some things need to be overlooked and know that it was a product of that time, you know, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like you know, people shouldn't be really up in arms about that, you know, I don't know. But um, and then, of course, editing the songs in Little Mermaid. That was. I don't know. I mean, you told me, Morgan, that you didn't really notice that they had to edit. Yeah, the, the I, it, yeah. it wasn't like they were changing the whole hook or I think it was just one line. Right. Like. I don't even I think that just said go on and ask her it's, it's, I don't even like honestly I don't even remember what it was like right but right. they still but are singing go on and kiss the girl like still the right. same same lyrics so right right I don't know it's Disney <laughs> <laughs> Disney's gonna do what Disney's gonna do you know um, but you know, hey, it's, it's doing great at the box office. I wish I wish the film very well, and I I, I do plan on seeing it. So um, let's see. I have some other gossip news. Uh, this is I got this one for you, uh, Your Grace, because you love Britney Spears. So Kevin Federline is giving Britney Spears' lawyer a Friday deadline to sign off at his planned move to Hawaii with the two kids, or he'll go to a court to get a judge to give him the green light. Wow, moving to Hawaii. And why, the does kid, to, why does he need to move to Hawaii? Like, so apparently his wife, uh, Victoria Prince, uh, has a, a job offer in the sports department of a local university and has to commit. So um, okay. the kids are getting up there in age. They're 16 yeah. and 17, respectively. So yeah. there's only a couple more years, and, and I guess the, the, the boys can do what they want, I guess, right? As far as whether yeah. they move back. Yeah. And you know, help with Britney's TikTok videos and the dance videos. and She's just unwell. <laughs> Is she unwell? Yes. Yeah. I yes. mean, I, I don't know. And then people keep sending me these, like, conspiracy things where they're like, this isn't Britney. And, like, her husband posted this. And it, yeah. it's really an old trip. And I'm like, I just. I don't know. She's just, a lot more naked now than she used to be. That's so. true. Well, right. And I'm, but I still, I mean, just like hearing everything in that like one documentary and like, I heard her one testimony about like having to be like, people come into her room and like, she'd have to strip off all her clothes. Like they'd make sure she didn't have like any weapons on her or wasn't hiding any medicines. And then they'd they'd watch her take these pit, like they made her like take all these medicines and pills and like. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure they gave her like Valium and like, like all kinds of stuff, like to sedate her and like just the whole thing about like her not wanting to go on tour because she was tired, like that. And that was Al. That was the tour that I went to and yeah. paid all that money and did the meet and greet. That's and right. Like, I remember that photo. I while. was like loving life, and like then you see, oh yeah, I didn't want to go on that tour. I was like very upset about that. Like. So, yeah, I I don't think she's mentally all there, you know, it, well, and stuff she writes is just like it's it's out there. It's, it's really concerning. Out there. like 
Well, maybe Kevin Federline is doing is making the right decision to to bring the boys to Hawaii. I don't maybe. trust him. Yeah. He just wanted the money to begin with, and now he just wants to stay relevant in the limelight. Like, yeah, I can tell you're Team Brittany all the way on this one for sure. <laughs> I will be Team Brittany till the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, other interesting uh, gossip on. On the vein of the pop stars, uh, Billie Eilish is, uh, is ex- expressing her disappointment uh, because of her changing of her style. So now she's foregoing the baggy clothes. Now she's embracing her feminine side. And, yeah, people are mad. And, yeah. and people are mad now. It's like, what the fuck? So people are saying that she's changed. She's a sellout for embracing a more feminine uh, sense of style. She's and growing up. Like, how old is she? That's the thing. She was under 21. She's maybe under 18 when she started, right? She was like, yeah, she was a teenage girl. You're not going to sexualize a teenage girl. So the baggy look was, I think, very I mean, necessary, you know? This mm-hmm. is just the way it goes. I mean, right. look at Miley Cyrus and all the other Disney stars. Right. You know, they look Ariana Grande, uh, yep. you know, all, all of them. It's like you're one way on one show. Or right. whatever and then when you start to grow up and again this only happens with women is nobody's saying anything about the jonas brothers or yeah. whoever <laughs> else it's only with the women yeah you become too sexy oh what happened to little hannah montana and now because billy iris was all dark and brooding and whatever now because she's you know wants to like be more feminine they have right. to do with it yeah, it's unbelievable. So, you know, you it's just like you got to be prepared for all that. Yeah. Like, she said, I spent the first five years of my career getting absolutely obliterated by you fools for being boyish. Right. Just uh, right. how I did. And then constantly being told I'd be hotter if I act like a woman. And now I feel more comfortable enough to wear anything remotely feminine or fitting. I changed and I changed. And now I'm a sellout. What happened to, oh, my God, it's not the same Billy. She's just like the rest, blah, blah, blah. You guys are true idiots. <laughs> was, this was this a tweet or what was this? Uh, Instagram or something. Yeah, was it Instagram? Yep. Eilish wrote on her since expired and Instagram stories. A, Instagram stories. So it's She's expired. still young, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's why all these young, famous people need, like, a good life coach and a good therapist mm-hmm. and hopefully they have some family because I mean I don't know I just feel like looking at this now like as someone who's a little bit older it's like I feel like if I was famous at like 20 something I'd probably be up I ended up like Britney oh, like, no. <laughs> actually no because my mother would have been like hell no throw <laughs> me back in the house but. yeah you know what I mean? Like Yeah, totally, totally. Oh man. Well, you know, Billy Billy is Billy's still a great I think artist. She'll be okay. She'll be fine. Yeah. Phenomenal artist and yeah. keep doing what you're doing, Billy. Yeah. Um Wow, Johnny Depp suffered a uh, painful ankle fracture. Uh it's a hairline break and he broke it somewhere between the Cannes Film Festival and the Royal Albert Hall. And um, apparently, due to his injury, he had to um, cancel his uh, Hollywood Vampires uh, show. Oh. Um, 
Yeah. So apparently he's part part of this group with Alice Cooper and Aerosmith's Joe Perry. Wow, that's kind of cool. Hmm. Is this going to be a movie or? Well, the, 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 that's this is his band. This is John Depp's oh, band. Oh, his band. Yeah, okay. yeah. That would have been a hell of a movie, though. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is this? Yeah, his band, uh, Hollywood Vampires. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say he broke his ankle doing like Pirates of the Caribbean 6 or whatever the shit they're on now or something. <laughs> so, Dude, he's probably going to do it now. I, don't, I mean, Good. he had that standing O at uh, the Cannes Film Festival for, for that uh, French film that he did. And the title's escaping me, but. You know, when that's the thing about Cannes Film Festival. It's all about that standing O and how long, you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. apparently, I don't know if it's the French, you know, that forgive him, but it seems like a, a lot of Americans have forgiven him yeah. and or really didn't have an issue with him to begin with, especially after the um, you know, the verdict of that trial, you know. Um, oh, yeah, the film is called Jean Dubarry. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, Depp's first film since winning the high-profile defamation trial against his ex-wife Amberd, which, man, that was must-see viewing for me. <laughs> I watched that. I watched it very intently uh, every day. It was uh, a, <laughs> it was good to wake up to it and, and do that, you know, and then wake up to that. So, um, but yeah, that's all I have on uh, on on uh, celebrity gossip. Um, and of course, uh, we already mentioned, rest in peace, Tina Turner. Um, who passed away at the age of 83, and that was our classic cut, was the amazing song, We Don't Need Another Hero, um, which I think was a very fitting, fitting song. Uh, as to many, um, she she was a role model and a hero at that. Um, uh, for the artist that she was, you know, dealing with an abusive marriage, you know, with like Turner and, uh, and uh, just being a pop star in the 80s, you know. Um, very 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 talented artist that will be missed for sure um uh we also lost a few oh wait beyonce actually took a moment uh, during her concert in paris on a renaissance world tour and actually uh said she wanted to take a second and honor tina turner um, mm-hmm. if you're a fan of mine you're a fan of tina turner i wouldn't be on the stage without tina turner so i want you guys to just scream so she can feel your love so um we lost a few other actors um and people in the entertainment industry um john beasley the actor known for his roles on everwood and the soul man passed away at the age of 79 peter simon the austrian actor who starred in the movie tony erdman known for his uh, work on theater and films and tv passed away at the age of 76 um the founder of magic castle in los angeles milt larson um the private club for magicians i've yet to to see the magic castle uh he passed away at the age of 92 art have, have you been lucky enough to to take a tour of the magic castle yeah i've been a few times it's, it's super cool i'd highly recommend it wow who's yeah. your who's your magician buddy uh, a couple times it was this uh one guy mike that i know and another time or two was ashley's friend or i guess an old friend i don't know if, when she's last talked to him but uh i know his name is joel and he was performing there he was a magician who performed there wow what can you say about the the, the show well the shows are always different but i mean like because there's different size venues in there and yeah but, i mean they're all 
all just fucks with your head. It'll just blow your mind. Wow. But the close-up magic room is probably the coolest because it's so small, it's so intimate, it's so in your face, and it will, like, no joke, make you think that witchery is real. I mean, it's yeah. like the stuff I've seen people just do in there. It's just I can't, I can't get my head around it. I mean, sometimes, it and they're like, real. they're they're like two feet away from you. It's I just don't get it. Yeah, uh, I remember yeah, also, any any show you see there is going to be good. Yeah, dude. I speaking of witchery, I remember when we went to uh, um, was it Party Artie's bachelor party when we went to Zach Baggins? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, haunted. It was a haunt, haunted museum. The, the, it was like the 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 haunted museum or not. I don't know. It's like some sort of fucking dude thing. Like there that. was this one room with this doll that was just. <laughs> One of the creepiest things, and our buddy Joe Lex said, "Nope, nope." He, t- he walked out. I mean, I I stayed for a little while, but just <laughs> that particular room was. I still think about that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't like it, I can't take that room out of my head with that creepy doll. Maybe just, you brought something back with you. It, yeah, it was crazy. Better light some sage. That's right. <laughs> I, I think I should, man. I'm not gonna watch Annabelle anymore. My God. See, I don't dude. like anything with. Any inanimate toys that are coming to life. I actually like Megan. Have you seen Megan? No. That's a little different, though, because that's a robot. But, you know. That's an AI robot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really here for that either. What about Puppet Master? Those things are so silly. No, no puppets. (laughs) That's worse. (laughs) Marionettes on strings that move by themselves. No, no. Um, (laughs) But yeah, speaking of Megan, if I could throw out one little fun thing, it's just it's just amazing. Uh, speaking of AI, mm-hmm. that it's like flooded my feed now of all these really cool AI images, and <laughs> one was like people from different parts of Maryland. They had Dundalk, Essex, Federal Hill, and they really appropriately. I have to forward it both to you guys. They really yes, appropriately yeah. matched. Have you seen this? Have either of you seen this? No, it, not what you're talking about. It sounds fun, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Guys, I, I got to uh, let me just forward to you right now on, on, on Messenger because it it was out of this world. It was just <laughs> so freaking um, I'm going to forward to you right now so you can see what I'm talking about. But I know it's not a perfect thing right now, but um, they're working because some of the hands come can kind of. Uh, come out kind of wonky yeah yeah but um it's amazing like things like chat gpt you just basically type in um yeah young filipino youth you know in the 90s or something you know i was like oh let's see if this looks like me as George surely or whatever you know just kind of or uh you know margot robbie in a as harley quinn in a bikini and it would come out you know just like anything that you wanted to, to see in ai and it would generate oh, okay. it. But um, I just sent you this uh, particular one. Yeah. And, and you'll be this kind of blown away by the realism of these images. I, this is pretty funny because this is like all generally, from what I remember, pretty pretty on point. <laughs> it's Wait, scary. so these aren't real? Well, these are oh, the Randallstown photo. That's they so are all artificial intelligence images. It's like, it's like when, I, when I zoom into the faces... Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the first black guy, I can kind of tell, but the girl, that looks kind of real. The white, the second one of the two white people, I can tell that's like 
weird. But if you look at the third pitch, the Fed Hill people mm-hmm. are away. Like that could be somebody that I went to college with. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. The Fed Hill people looks like some of the UV friends. <laughs> you know, that legit looks like. These, yeah, these these are good, man. Wow. I know. See, but kinda... I've done the ones. There was some whenever they had that app and everybody was like changing themselves like. Now, uh, that's that that was um cool. But from what I heard, infringed on some artist properties, intellectual, yeah. um, the, the, like their actual works and the, the AI engine. People look real like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to uh, put a link on uh, on our show description um, if I can find something similar. But it was really wild. Yeah. And then they even had one for. AI generated images of celebrities have died and what they look like today, which is another one. I've just seen the funny ones like on Instagram where it's like, it's like they reverse the races of celebrities. And it, was oh, like, interesting. it was like That's black Tom one. Hanks. <laughs> like ah, they were black Tom Hanks, like white, white Oprah Winfrey. I got to find it. That was, it was hilarious. It's and like wild. Some, some of them looked wild. really good. <laughs> That's the scary thing. The more realistic this AI becomes, the more. And we we had a topic of this on on BTB of of how you feel it would affect actors and and because we did see that in the Book of Boba Fett with and the Mandalorian with young Mark Hamill, uh, Luke Skywalker, and how that would affect acting. And Tom Hanks said in a recent interview that that he'll still be in movies long after he passes away. You know oh, because yeah. of and it's the truth. And the more advanced this becomes, you know, um, will <laughs> will actors have jobs? Like I'm thinking, like even background work, you know, they could easily implement realistic looking background and save money instead of paying, you know, background actors their their minimum sag rate, you know, to to walk on set, you know. Or maybe it will be more expensive. Maybe it is more cost effective for people right now. I'm not sure, but uh, it could come to the point, you know, when AI can replace um, actors' jobs, and that—that's a little scary. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, here. I'm not here for it. I don't like it. Yeah, that is a little scary. I cannot lie. Like, would it affect the voiceover world too? Do you think? Uh, oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, right now we don't use any AI for that. We just yes. use traditional ways of you know voice matching with actors. Right. But um, I, I'm sure in the future that it will be a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, one that comes to mind is, um, which I haven't, sh- I'm not sure if they've started using his, his voice yet is James Earl Jones. He just signed over mm. the likeness of his voice to be produced um, for AI for that. And I think they did do that art in the Top Gun Maverick movie with Val I know Kilmer. they had to do that for Val Kilmer. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't talk. You can't um, talk. Exactly. But I know. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's one of those words, you know, I mean, they certainly, it's a tool that can be used now. And will it be used in the future? Absolutely. I mean, I, we were actually talking about AI on our most recent episode of That Was Disappointing. And um, something I brought up is, yeah, I can see it totally evolving to the point of being mature enough to creatively generate things that aren't fucking weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I said, like, you know, maybe I'm I'm shortcutting it, but I'd say I could totally see in 25 to 35 years, 
you can go to your television and say, I want to see a movie or a show about this, 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 and this. Ding, 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 thinks, boom, generates it right there. Actors, wow. sets, dialogue, everything wow. will just be generated. And I'm sure there will still be a market for the good old-fashioned human-style storytelling. Right. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sure that that will always be there because we just sort of need it. Um, and, you know, but I, I absolutely believe in the not too distant future, you can custom order your entertainment. Wow. It will make it for you. That is why the writers are need this contract in place, you know, to protect them for, for things like, well, it protects them from certain things, but then, you know, what will happen is then uh, it won't be an entertainment industry thing. It'll be a technology company thing. So, and writers have, and you know, all these Hollywood and performance guilds have zero hold or sway over Silicon Valley and whatever they do, because it's not their industry. So Silicon Valley could very well, Apple could say, fuck it, you know, we're going to create this massive generation thing and it will create entertainment for you. And because it's created by a technology company, it could be looked at as being a technical byproduct or whatever. And as such, it's not covered or regulated by guilds and unions and stuff like that. So, you know, but we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens. But but again, the level of sophistication required for that to work seamlessly where it's not a joke. Right. That's, you know, a couple decades at least at the minimum down the road. Yeah. I mean, if you want to see, like, they're already doing it, like, sort of now where, I don't know if you heard, well, I don't think it's happening anymore, but there was a Seinfeld-esque sitcom that was constantly being generated by like on Twitch or or Steam or whatever the fuck it was. And I I looked at some of it, I tuned in, and it was awful. (laughs) I mean, I got the idea, but the graphics sucked, the voices were terrible, and the jokes weren't funny. But I saw, like, that, the, the kernels there. Yeah, there. and the hands. <laughs> like I said before, those Everything. hands, yeah. hands still look creepy. You'll notice a few hands in those. Oh, uh, you'll see things. a couple like six fingers. It's not six a thumb, fingers, it's just an extra like, finger. Yeah. yeah, those are weird. Yeah, they haven't perfected that aspect yet. But uh, completing the those are that they're no longer with us also includes George Maharis from the CBS drama series Route 66. Um, also, we lost Marlene Clark, the actress who played Lamont's fiance on Sanford and Son. Um, she passed away at the age of 85. Ed Ames, a member of the Ames Brothers Singing Quartet, who starred in the series Daniel Boone, had passed away. And this one's real sad because she was very young. Um, and it's a Canadian actress and voiceover artist who played Heather in the 2013 remake of Carrie, had died of a rare form of ovarian cancer. Uh, at the age of uh, 28. So um, rest in peace, Samantha Weinstein. Um, and of course, with death, we celebrate life for those uh, are still with us, uh, including Al Pacino, who's going to be a father at the age of 83. It's interesting. We just talked about what? De Niro. Good for him. De Niro was a fa- just became a father recently. And, oh, my God. I mean, it is... Uh, it's crazy. It's just crazy how Al Pacino and uh, Robert De Niro just keep divorcing their wives and just pulling a Leonardo DiCaprio and picking something new and young. It's just, it's. <laughs> I mean, hey, you got the money. You gonna take care of these kids? Good, <laughs> right? Also, WWE's Alexa Bliss is pregnant. Uh, might be the reason why we didn't see her WrestleMania, but her and uh, Ryan Cabrera. Remember him? The 
the pop star from uh, oh, yeah. the 2000s with the spiky hair. <laughs> yeah. uh, they just uh, celebrated their first wedding anniversary. So, um, and of course, congratulations to the new WWE World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins, who defeated AJ Styles at the Night of Champions live event, pay-per-view event in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And um, birthdays today on Wednesday, May 31st include, my God, Clint Eastwood, 93 years old, is directing another movie called Juror Number 2, which is crazy. At 93, he Mm. is still directing and working. It's crazy. Um, Other actors include Tom Berenger, 73. Happy birthday. Uh, Happy birthday, Chris Elliott. Where's that guy been? He's he's a great actor. Right. Funny guy. Woogie. Remember Woogie from <laughs> Oh yeah. There's something about Mary. He had all those rashes because he started thinking about Mary. He started scratching himself. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, uh, Chris is sixty-three. Leah Thompson from Back to the Future. Wow. A legend. She's sixty-two. Brooke Shields is fifty-eight. Uh, Phil Keegan of uh, The Amazing Race is 56, the host. Colin Farrell is 46. Happy birthday, Colin. Mm. Actor Eric Christian Olsen of NCIS is 46. And um, Normani Hamilton of Fifth Harmony is 27. That's birthdays today. And that wraps up uh, everything in Hollywood on Below the Belt show. And wow, we're wrapping up right on time time (laughs) as yours surely is trying to be a little more cognizant of those that are working the next day and Mm -hmm. and have early early mornings and uh for the west coasters still early over there not too well it's dinner time now so it's dinner time now so we're, we're wrapping up tonight's show we'd like to thank the amazing panel that we've assembled and uh you know we didn't have like uh darth paul wallace like throw it out as crazy <laughs> crazy rants about woke culture which probably <laughs> us off a couple right. of minutes we love we love dark paul he's he's a he's a very interesting brand of opinion here on btv but nonetheless i <laughs> uh, would like to thank of course the, the panelists that were here today including my buddy from the west coast party Artie hall the podcaster of that Ooh. was disappointing Yes, he's yeah, also yeah. an actor. Uh, when can we see that uh, latest film? I have Gap no Weekend. idea. <laughs> I have to find Gap. out. I have no clue. Gap Weekend Art did a fantastic yeah. job in uh, a feature film called Gap Weekend, which shot in Los Angeles. And uh, I really hope that the public can see this film art because this is a it was a very 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 funny film and very entertaining film. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully we get to see it someday. I will have to find out what the deal is with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and the subsequent film by yeah. that director too, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. I gotta, like I said, I, I haven't I haven't connected with him in a while, so yeah, I'll, okay. I'll find out. Okay. Can Full of Ashes still in that post-production? Uh... Oh, it's in, yeah, post-hell. And at this point, uh, I need to get a new computer. This computer is just okay. like shitting the bed left and right. Okay. So for me to finish <laughs> the post, I gotta, I just got to get a new system. Okay, so. well, we'll look forward to the red carpet premiere. Yeah. <laughs> that, <though>. yeah. <laughs> there will be one. <laughs> I mean, the ca- the can might have turned to ash by then, right? Yeah, <laughs> Not seriously. Yeah. <just> the- <laughs> Not True just story. the ashes inside, the whole can would have uh, completely like disintegrated from. <laughs> Anyways, uh, 
Morgan Fabulous, dancer extraordinaire, social media influencer, host and actress, Morgan Fab. We'd like to see more in acting, Morgan, by the way. I'm trying. Yes. I, I need to I need to work on that. Yes, yes. And we uh we're gonna see you in an upcoming feature film called The Realtor, right? Yes. yes. I don't know when that I know that was being shopped around to different Yes. Uh Nonetheless, yeah. we hope to see it but as yes. soon, and we could talk about it, the film, and uh, yes. promote be. it when it uh, is ready to be talked about. So a lot of stuff just uh, completed, wrapped, but not available for the public to see yet. So hopefully we'll just we'll be able to see these films soon. And yes, I am Al Celebrity Soto, your host with the most, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, what a great show, man! You know, we kept kept it. You know, skeleton skeleton panel you know and uh we knocked it out of the park once again guys and uh closing out tonight's show is an interview that i conducted with sav rogers the director of chasing chasing amy a documentary based on the film chasing amy that changed um this uh queer kid's life um who became trans a female male trans and um the life that um was influenced from the film and uh it was it was a fantastic documentary and we'll be talking to the director at the uh closing out tonight's show so on behalf of morgan fab art hall yours truly al soto we'll see you guys next week until then peace all right guys we have a special interview tonight my gosh, um, I'm really, really excited about Tribeca because BTB Below the Belt Show has been approved to cover the Tribeca Film Festival. And not only that, we're actually talking with one of the filmmakers right now, the one and only Sav Rogers of Chasing Chasing Amy. Hey, Sav. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Al. I really appreciate your time and, and taking the time to chat about Chasing Chasing Amy. Absolutely. We would love to talk about that. And of course, um, you know, I, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. So uh, as soon as I saw uh, Cicely's uh, email about your film, I was like, we got to get Sav on. Um, and I watched the documentary and I really, really enjoyed it. It uh, definitely tucks at the heartstrings um, for me, um, being the comic book kid, comic book geek, um, you know, bullied in high school and, and, and watching Kevin, um, you know, succeed as a filmmaker and now comic books and the comic book genre is so cool now um your story is, is different and uh i'd love to talk about that because you credit this film for actually saving your life yeah yeah i mean that's the that's the thing though is like you know we don't share all of our life experiences but you know we both had things that made us feel better and made us feel seen uh about kevin's work specifically but it could be any work really you know there's always movies or comic books or podcasts or radio shows there's always these things that influence our life in these really great ways and for me chasing amy was that thing uh when i was having a really uh terrible time in school quite frankly um you know other people had kind of clocked that i was queer before i knew um and uh it was very vulnerable and and sometimes uh oftentimes deeply and a deeply unfriendly environment to be in and so i had this movie that kevin made that just uh made my life better at that time and through that you know a a, 
a possibility for a, a life ahead was presented to me in a way that I didn't know was possible. And that path forward was was movies for me. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm really grateful to be here and to be able to talk about it and to be able to talk about, you know, um, just storytelling and, and what that does for us. Yes. And I, I saw the documentary. It's tremendous. But I was curious what particular parts of the movie resonated with you the most uh, in Kevin's film. Was it the Alyssa Jones character herself? Was it any particular moments in the film or reveals? Yeah, I mean, uh, many things like uh, in life and in Chasing Amy and in Chasing Chasing Amy are complicated. So it's a it's a complicated answer. It's a nuanced answer. You know, uh, I identified with with Holden in a lot of ways, you know, that very sincere romanticism um you know uh, obviously common interests with comic books and things of that nature um but then i also identified with Alyssa as like an aspirational type of character of well she's here she's queer and she doesn't give a fuck what you have to say about it um you know she was very confidently herself and that was aspirational to a deeply insecure 12 year old who didn't really know where he fit into the world um, and, uh, you know, it also presented a possibility in the way that I could talk about my sexual orientation and this, you know, this idea of pansexuality, you know, without, um, Alyssa ever saying bisexual, pansexual, mm-hmm. um, it was how I felt, um, and how I still feel. Right. Um, and, you know, it's all about that one specific person. And so I thought it was an incredibly, uh, bold character to put into a movie period, let alone for 1997 in a, in an era of very bold movies from uh all these incredible points of view from these directors writers actors etc um and so those are the things that i really uh was struck by at the time and my relationship with the movie continued to evolve uh over a period of years yeah i was curious how you thought that the film aged though because um there are some the derogatory terms for gay and lesbian people thrown very liberally um yeah. and uh obviously uh Alyssa, you know, like you said, is, is very unsure about her, whether she's a lesbian or not, and ends up dating Holden. And I guess some people had criticisms or if, you know, is she a true lesbian because she fell for Holden and then fell out of love? You know, I was curious your thoughts on those those points. You know, I think we can look at movies of the past and we can see what progress has been made since then. And I think there's mm-hmm. always something to learn uh, from any movie, no matter what period of time it's in. Maybe you like the way the camera moves. Maybe you like the, the you know, how this uh, actor embodies this character. Maybe you like this directorial choice. Maybe you love the writing of something. I think kind of regardless of a period of time in which a movie's made in, we can learn from it, um, you know, as people, as storytellers, whatever your thing is. Um, there's always something that we can take away from any movie. So um, I don't love to you know, look at movies of the past and apply today's standards to them because, well, they're right. never going to meet those. So what can they do? Well, they can teach us something. They can mm-hmm. uh, allow us to move forward and teach us what to do and what not to do. You know, you might not make Chasing Amy the way uh, you made it in 19, or the way that Kevin made it in 1997 today. Um, there are, mm-hmm. culture has evolved. The zeitgeist has changed. But right. the time that it was made in, it was considered prescient, right? And so, um, I think that's what's exciting about revisiting old movies is what you can learn from them, but yeah. also inform current attitudes and be a benchmark of, well, this is how a straight filmmaker who was sympathetic to LGBTQ people made a movie mm-hmm. about a straight guy who was sympathetic to LGBTQ people felt at that time, right? right. And now 
that movie would be made totally differently today. And the way that queer filmmakers um, make movies is totally different in a lot of ways than the new queer cinema movement that was happening concurrently at the same time as like Chasing Amy. So I just think that there's so much that we can we can learn from that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what's really exciting is like a movie like that gave me kind of like a without intending to gave me uh, a, a path forward and, and possibilities for me to come out and to be able to make movies from my perspective, which are very different than the movies that Kevin makes. Yeah. And would you feel that if it was released again today, that any edits should be made to any particular words or phrases that might be offensive? Or do you think it, it it's fine as it is? It's a representative of, of its time in the 90s and it should be left alone. You know, I don't go back and and think about, you know, well, Kevin should have done this. Kevin should have done that. You know, this is very current and of its time. And I don't think that we would use nearly as many homophobic slurs in uh, in a specific in a in a broad rom-com today or an independent rom-com today. Um, but also like, you know, there are queer people who use those words and, you know, they take back their power. So I'm not mm -hmm. here to really what you know I think anybody should or should not be doing I think an audience will definitely let you know how they feel um, regardless of of what a filmmaker does right All right well yeah so let's talk about the documentary uh, I was curious uh, how how the process was in getting uh, Kevin on board to uh, getting Joey uh, Lauren Adams on board uh, uh, for interviews um, the challenges that that you know that 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 you had with that yeah, I mean, so I, I started the process of making Chasing Chasing Amy not knowing a single person who was involved in Chasing Amy. You know, I was a I was a kid from Kansas that had no mm -hmm. uh, broad connections to L.A. or New York, really. Right. You know, I was fresh out of film school, really. Um, for me, I just wanted to be able to to tell my story in a in a specific way. Um, and to be able to get my story out there that was going to be more powerful than just um, a, a, an obligatory email that they may or may not respond to, right? Um, and it kind of happened upon that through an opportunity with the TED residency program. And so the TED residency was an idea incubator that TED held that allowed for uh, prospective speakers to be able to do a research project uh, while and work on it at TEDHQ and to be able to give a TED talk um, at the end of the research period. And for me, that project was Chasing chasing Amy. Um, you know, I had the idea that I wanted to start pursuing it, but I wasn't really sure how to get traction. And this opportunity kind of fell in my lap when I applied to the, <laughs> to the program the day of the deadline without a real idea of what I wanted to give a TED talk about. Um, but they picked me as a finalist because they liked my director's reel and I had, you know, made a couple of short films and they were like, I think you have an interesting point of view, which I was immensely grateful for, for Cindy Stivers and uh, Katrina Conan and Real just like taking a chance on me. And uh, effectively, um, in the interview process, they said, if you had to give a TED Talk tomorrow, what would it be about? And mm -hmm. I told basically what I said in the TED Talk, which was, this movie saved my life as a 12-year-old kid. And I think that there's something there about way that stories matter to us and, and how it's life-saving. Um, they said that's the most narrow and specific idea for a TED talk they'd ever heard. Let's do it. <laughs> so, uh, a couple months later, I moved to New York and I, I did the program. I started pre-production on Chasing Chasing Amy. I started getting ready to do interviews and, and things of that nature. And I gave the TED talk. And within an hour of the TED talk being online a few months after that, uh, Kevin had seen it uh, within an hour of it being online because enough people had sent it to him. Um, and Kevin reached out to me 
like that was that was how that happened. He said, hey, like touched by your story. I know some people who were in Chasing Amy if you need to connect. And so that's how we got Kevin on board. And for uh, for Joey, you know, a friend uh, who runs the Tallgrass Film Festival, Melanie Addington, uh, just knew Joey from her work in Oxford, Mississippi and said, hey, I'm happy to give you an introduction. And this is before the TED Talk had come out. And Joey was mm -hmm. lovely and uh, granted me her time uh, even before the TED Talk had come out. So I'm super grateful to both of them for their participation because they absolutely did not have to be in this, um, but they chose to, and they gave amazing interviews and I'm forever better for it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was amazing to get them involved. H have you tried to reach out to Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, or even uh, Dwight Yule? Uh, so Jason Lee is in the movie, thankfully. Um, and then uh, uh, Dwight Yule no longer is, uh, is called Dwight Yule. Um, he changed his name to Mustafa. Um, and I have been in touch with Mustafa. He very kindly, uh, declined to participate, but has been extremely supportive um, privately, which has been very lovely. Um, and then Ben Affleck, you know, it's uh, I'd love to hear from Mr. Affleck. His, yes. my love of his movies, my love of his movies made me want to, you know, uh, get into Chasing Amy in the first place. So I would always be happy to hear from him. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, and I yeah, I noticed uh, with Mustafa, is that Dwight's uh, new name? That he yeah. hasn't uh, been in a film since 2011. So I don't know if you've, uh, he's retired from the industry or not. Do you know? Well, I haven't had a conversation with Mustafa about where he's at in his acting career. I think you'd have to ask him, but it, he's an amazing <laughs> actor. Um, yeah, yeah, he was an uh, he, He's an amazing actor, you know, loved him in, you know, Hal Hartley movies, loved him in his yeah. uh, appearance in Party Girl, um, loved him in Kevin's movies. So I would be so happy to see him in a movie again. Yeah, absolutely. Now, they say a lot of documentaries take years and years. Um, what's the timeline for yours? How, how many years or if it was less than years um from pre-production all the way to completion i was gonna say it depends on when you consider this movie having started you could technically say it started the first time i watched chasing amy um but uh the when i came up with the idea was apparently in 2015 when i got serious about it was at the telluride film festival in 2017 when i was thinking about how do i how do i make a movie that can mm -hmm at a market festival how do i get to that level you know what what is the story that only i could tell um and from there you know i started like planning and just thinking about okay well what would it take to to make a movie like this come together um i consider day one to be september 1st 2018 when i moved to new york for the ted residency um so all in all from about four and a half years from yeah. day one saying we are starting on this this is happening to uh you know going to tribeca um and, you know, a lot of life had to happen in between those dates. <laughs> yeah, we see a lot of moments in your life um, and, uh, you know, decision to come out as a trans man to, to proposing to your to your then girlfriend, now wife. Um, and uh, uh, how how was that? Uh, how, how did you like having your own personal experiences uh, in, integrated into the film as well? I cannot tell you how much I disliked it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't um, it wasn't part of the plan. The plan was to make a pretty straightforward documentary about the LGBTQ community's relationship right. chasing Amy. And then because I had smart people around me to to help guide me and to help keep you know the vision you know the best version of it, um, they were like, "Hey, you should consider putting yourself in here just a little bit." You know, the comp at the time <laughs> was the comp at the time was. Um, uh, Bing Lu in Minding the Gap, which I thought was such a beautifully done documentary about masculinity mm -hmm. and 
you know, what, what growing up means, what coming of age means. And I, and I absolutely loved that movie. And then I ended up being the main character in it because I kept listening to the smart people around me. And so, yes. you know, it was really vulnerable to be in that, to be in that position because, you know, I'm thinking with my filmmaker brain and then I'm thinking with, uh, you know, me as a human being who is on camera, right? And I'm thinking about, okay, well, what's the most compelling story? And also how can I honor my sanity here? Because this isn't what I set out to do. This isn't mm-hmm. the most fun thing for me to watch cuts of myself and, right. you know, to see, you know, myself pre-transition. That's very vulnerable. And it's a part of myself yeah. that I did not wish to be preserved for that long. And so that was the, that was a struggle to be honest, but I'm really thankful for, you know, the amazing people around me on this movie, you know, Sharika, our editor, Lauren, our AE, all of the producers. I mean, so many people kept me sane as I was reluctant to watch cuts and how difficult it was to to kind of overcome that hurdle mentally. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You certainly open, open your heart uh, (laughs) in this documentary itself. And uh, wow. So how did, when it got accepted into Tribeca, how did you feel? Oh my gosh, it was the best feeling in the world. I mean, you know, I was I was anxious. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I put all my guts out there. I I hope yeah. somebody likes it and and wants to wants to premiere it. And you know, within two weeks of us submitting, they had reached out and they said, "Do you want a world premiere with us?" And we were like, "Yes, please." Like it, yeah. it was such an incredible honor. You know, the fact that they reached out so early in their programming process. Um, and just the kindness that they have showed us continuously throughout preparing for the festival. Um, I, I could not feel more supported um, than by this Tribeca team. And I, and I couldn't be happier that we're taking it back to New York where day one of this movie uh, occurred. I love it. Taking it back to the the premiere uh, <laughs> film festival, not only film, but television, music and all these yeah. other elements, which I, I personally love the Tribeca Film Festival. And you guys are premiering on uh, June 8th, right? Yes. On Thursday, yes. yeah. And uh, Kevin, Kevin's coming to town, right? Uh, to be yeah. determined. I'm yeah. hoping so. We'll see what happens. But, yeah. you know, uh, regardless of if he can make it, it's going to be a really fun night. And, uh, you know, it's 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 going to be four and a half years in the making. And we're just going to celebrate with all of the great people who made the movie. And uh, I can't wait. That is amazing. Now, after Tribeca, where do audiences, where, where do you want audience to see your film? Do you want it on a streaming platform? Do you want it to um, remain in the in the cinema? Where would you like people to see it? I'd love people to see the movie however they can, um, whether it's at your local film festival or watching through a virtual platform at one of these festivals, including Tribeca and/or Frameline. Um, I, you know, I'm hoping that we find the right distributor that's the right fit for us, which just means making sure that this movie can get it in the hands of as many people as possible and allow this movie to have a long, full life um, to connect with as many audiences as we can. I love it. I love it. What's your second favorite Kevin Smith movie? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think Dogma. I mean, gosh, yes. I love Dogma. It's, it's such a good movie. It's such a smart script. Um, I watched it with with my wife, Riley, who you know grew up mm-hmm. Catholic. She was like, oh, my God, this is great. And I'm like, I know. This is the shit that I watched on repeat <laughs> as a kid. Um, and so I, I, I think it's such a, a smart play on Catholicism and assuming that all of the rules of Catholicism are true and, and, and what happens within a, a world that has that set of rules. I loved it. I thought it was a brilliant film. That's that one film that, that can't get uh, on streaming yet, right? Is that still the case? Uh, yes. I believe the Weinsteins own the actual movie. However, yeah. 
watch it on YouTube for free. So go for oh. it. <laughs> that's a good tip of course yeah. now you, yeah. you you you're speaking of um mr Weinstein, you did you did uh for rap more so kevin uh, mentioned it how did you feel when kevin went on um you know talked about harvey for the film did you i that? was responsible for kevin to talk about harvey you know yeah. i think i had, i think i had brought it up in the interview i think you know um just basically saying like hey you took the movie to miramax and you know kevin gave his perspective on you know mm-hmm. his period of uh, his life in that period of time. Um, and, you know, it's a it's a shame that so many great movies are kind of marred by Harvey Weinstein's uh, participation in them um, because he caused some real hurt and some real damage. And, um, you know, I just hope that anybody that worked with him during that period of time is OK now. Um, that's all you can really help for. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, now that you have this friendship, I guess, with Kevin Smith, uh, have you uh, pitched yourself in an upcoming film? <laughs> uh, I can safely say I'm so not interested in being in front of the camera. But okay. <laughs> I would love the opportunity to work with Kevin or, you know, any of the people in this movie um, anytime again in the future. They were all wonderful to work with. Yeah, absolutely. As a big Kevin Smith fan, um, yeah, Chasing Amy ranks up there. I love Mall Rats. Oh my gosh, Clark, Clark's Three. I loved it all, man. It's tears. I so yeah. last so I think it was last year. Um, I was in town in L.A. and I was mm-hmm. like, Kevin, let me see your movie. And he said, Great. Gave me his laptop. I sat in a, in one of the rooms in his house and just sobbing watching this movie. I brought him back his laptop and I said, you're a real son of a bitch, you know that? Um, for uh, what happens in Clerks 3. And, you're one uh, of the first people to see it? I don't know if I'm one of the first people to see it. I saw it before it came out. Yeah. Um, that that was cool. Just like Watch James Island, Brothers, I got to see that. I got to see that early too, that we, we show in the movie. Um, nice. But you know, uh, perks of knowing the director, I guess. <laughs> that is wonderful. And uh, stopping by his palatial estate in Los Angeles too, right? Yeah, it's a nice house. It's a nice house. <laughs> Very cool. I, I love seeing all that. Wow. Sav, this is great. Well, this is great. Um, Tribeca Festival uh, is the place to go. TribecaFestival.com. Um, search for Chasing Chasing Amy uh, for those in the New York area. Uh, if tickets are still available, go <laughs> go buy your tickets for uh, three screenings of the premiere. And you have two more screenings after that, right? Yes, I know our right now, so it fluctuates. Sometimes they release more rush tickets depending on demand. So yes. um, our first two screenings are at rush status, which I believe means you have to stand in line to try to get into the theater. Um, but a bunch of the general admission tickets have been sold. And then right now, as of this interview, there are 20 tickets left for our last screening on the 15th before it hits, hits rush status. So love to see you there. Um, very excited Absolutely. to connect with audiences and, and have some fun. Absolutely, Sad. This is awesome. And uh, before we let you go, if you could, let us know who you are. Throw out a plug for Chasing Chasing Amy. Let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. All right. Hey, my name is Sav Rogers. I'm the director of Chasing Chasing Amy, and I'm here on Below the Belt Show. Yes, you you got a a, a Kevin Smith catchphrase or a Chasing Amy catchphrase throughout? Oh, no. Uh, No need for a catchphrase from this guy. I just want to stand behind the camera and make some movies <laughs> <laughs> nice nice all right let's do a snapshot really quick on one two and smile <laughs> there you go we did it all right great that was fantastic Saf, thank you so much thank you al i appreciate awesome. your time thank you for your thoughtful questions and uh, i hope this was as good for you as it was for me it man. was it was fantastic thank you so much all right you have a great rest of your day i right. hope to see you at Tribeca. Yes.
Bye. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain.